Cardboard Studios presents. Heavy Cardboard, Episode 25, Container. Coming to you from FIFA Election Headquarters, Denver, Colorado. Welcome to Heavy Cardboard, where we talk medium and heavy strategy board games, war games, 18xx, and basically whatever else comes to mind. We're your host. I'm Edward. I'm Tony. So start off. Contact us. We have our <clears throat> excuse me. We have our new email address, which is contact at heavy cardboard website heavycardboard.com. Twitter, which we are on every day, all day it seems at heavy cardboard. Facebook, Heavy Cardboard. YouTube is Heavy Cardboard Vids. Uh, rate us on iTunes if you guys would. Love the comments that we've been getting on the YouTube and on the iTunes. Speaking of which, Roger SJW uh, left us just a rockin' review on iTunes uh, since our last episode. So thanks a lot, John. Really, really appreciate that. Totally, man. Um, also, uh, thank you to our sponsors, Game Surplus. Visit them on the web, www.gamesurplus.com. Great people, great prices, a lot of import games, hard-to-find stuff. They do right by us. Good folks. Yeah, speaking of which, they, they uh, I got the last copy of Turfmaster Deluxe from them, but we'll talk about that in a little yeah. bit, but I'm really, really excited. We'll talk about something they're doing for me, too. Right, yes. so I'm, I'm super they're excited. They're fantastic. Yeah, they, I yeah. cannot recommend them enough. Great people. Go check them out and tell them Heavy Cardboard sent you. Well... It's been a week now, yeah. uh, a week of recovery since HeavyCon, the inaugural HeavyCon. Uh, it was, it was awesome. awesome. It really, it really <laughs> was. Yeah, right, right, right. <laughs> um, we had a welcome table. We had a lot of giveaways. Uh, Mo, one of the guys from the board game group, made these. Uh, Tony made the logo for it. It's a HeavyCon 2015 inaugural event. Those are killer. We had the Age of Steam maps, the heavy cardboard ones as giveaways, etc. We had 18 people over, tons of food, tons of, obviously, tons of games. We had some support from some outside parties, too. We did. Uh, three people, or three companies, I mm-hmm. should say, sponsored mm-hmm. us. Uh, our sponsor, Game Surplus, Game Surplus, went above and beyond, but to be expected almost right. at this point. Uh, Tasty Minstrel did an awesome job. Yep. They gave us uh, some and a small little... Um, uh, like a uh, 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 game parts, yeah, Spiel there you go. components. Spiel Pro right. uh, hooked us up and couldn't have been happier. Everyone loved their their giveaways. Some guys, uh, German Mike, one of the guys that came, flew straight here from Germany. He lives in Ohio, but he came here straight from there. Uh, he brought uh, like a pony can, like a tiny little keg. Um, he brought some German br- beer. Yeah, he brought some whiskey. Other guys a brought Bavarian whiskey. whiskey. It, it was delicious. Yeah, it, it was awesome, man. Uh, people gave us gift baskets. It was, it was so much better than I ever thought that it could be. It could not have gone better. My my only concern is it went so well that I'm worried about how is next year and subsequent years gonna match or top that. I have no idea. Good problem to have. We'll figure it out. Right. So um, it finally stopped raining here. Yeah, I, I think, and, and got hot. Right, real hot. It's almost ninety here. Yeah. today we're recording this on Tuesday as opposed to our normal Monday uh, day, the week of release. And I think it rained honestly every day for thirteen or um, for three straight weeks. Yeah, I mean it was. It was My nuts. office is right by the Platte River, mm-hmm. and luckily the Platte River is like down in a little bit of a... Yeah, it's like a, recessed yeah. down in this valley. But there is like a little bank down there, and there's a walking trail. It's like to the top of that bank. 
Really? And there's uh, there's like a little dam where workers are building a pedestrian bridge. Mm-hmm. I would not want to be one of those guys in that dam with the water like up to here on it. It's, Just waiting for it to go yeah, over. Yeah, right. out. Yeah. To, you know. yeah, I mean, don't get me wrong. We're not as bad off as like Houston and, yeah. and such. Don't right. uh, I'm not trying to. But for us to get that much rain. Just yeah. it's odd. So, or at least that much in that short a, yeah. uh, a it's, period. It's kind of been the pattern the last couple of years, though. I wonder if we're mm-hmm. having a shift in what our springs look like from now on. Possibly, yeah. as a a transplanted Oregonian, I see it as liquid sunshine. So I really don't yeah. mind the rain. But at the same time, come on, three weeks straight. It's nice to have a break. Yeah, definitely. Um, so. It's pretty cool. We we had a listener contact us and said, "Hey, I got a convention coming up next week in here in Denver." Yeah, and he's like, "Hey, do you want to get <laughs> I got together? A free night. You guys want a game?" Yeah, and we're like, "Rock on!" So yeah. I think it's cool that listeners are reaching out to us to when yeah, they're in man. town here. We encourage that. Please do. Uh, we love meeting. You know, y'all. Right. So so continue to do so. A local person joined our game our game group too. Yeah, our our first game group is this right. Saturday. We're playing. We're gonna have a dual eighteen forty six games and then other games. Maybe Maria. Maybe Princes of the Renaissance or who knows. <laughs> He's excited. <laughs> he should be. But yeah, so. It's gonna be uh, it's gonna be fun to meet uh, a couple new folks. One uh, in like two days, and one this Saturday too. Yeah, should be a good time. Yeah. Very cool. So at HeavyCon, we gave away some games through the generosity of uh, of some good folks. Um, but that we weren't the recipients of those, but we did acquire some games nevertheless. Yeah, um, in a roundabout way. I acquired about 47 games in the last few days. Let me explain. So we track our collection, my wife and I, on BGG. And it had been bothering me lately that I feel like there are games that we have that aren't in our collection, you know, listed on BGG. And so I was like, hey, let's take some time. And, And we did this weekend, this past weekend on the holiday. And went through literally game by game. She had, was on page one, I was on page two on our collection, and okay, like for instance, After the Flood, yep, it's on there, and then go game by game, listen sure. them. We added 45 games into our collection, we had no idea. Now, some of them were literally postcard games, okay. like war games, little yeah, yeah, yeah. postcard ones, um, that I'd never added, but some were like Mari Nostrum, and the expansion stuff that I had acquired at an auction, a local auction, oh, and... Right. Just forgot to add. I knew I had it, sure. but it, so anyway, so in a roundabout way. But you haven't acquired those. No, but I mean. That's cheating. Sure, sure. So the ones that I've acquired, and this is the biggie, which I'm sure all you folks are going to be excited to hear, just so you don't have to keep hearing about it, and that. Wait, what is it? Princes of the Renaissance. So a huge thank you to Kimberly and her husband Jordan for helping me acquire it. For sixty dollars, so yeah. that was that was really really awesome. They, yeah, just it was awesome yeah. of them to do it. So major thank you for that. Uh, hopefully we get it played this weekend, or worse comes to worse next weekend. Uh, another game that acquired, and I know this is going to be on yours as well, and that's copy of Brewcrafters. Brewcrafters, yes, uh, great thematic game, kind of similar in feel in a roundabout way to Agricola. 
uh, really enjoyed our play of it oh, that yeah. we played recently. But other than the 45 that I technically acquired, just those two. So how about you? Well, uh, I really enjoyed the play uh, that Mo taught us on uh, Masters of Venice at HeavyCon. So grabbed a copy of that. Which I'm looking for now. And yeah. the, the expansion. Oh, I mm-hmm. saw a copy today. I, I can grab you one. All right. Um, <laughs> although I did, did not have the expansion in it. I got uh, used in great condition for a cheap price at a LGS. I got a I got a copy of uh, Archon Glory and Machination. So a local game store, not a friendly local uh, game yeah, store. Yeah, the F is a little sketchy. With these <laughs> <Right>. guys. <laughs> I have a good feeling where it was, yeah. but we won't mention it. Um, and uh, and I got the wooden pieces I sent away to DLP Games in Germany for Orleans. So. It's really nice. Oh, so it's not the little cardboard discs, no, right? They're, yeah, yeah, they're yeah. like big chunky meeples with stickers on them and all the colors. So now you reach into the bag and you're pulling out wood. Now, were those made for Orléans? Uh-huh. Oh, really? Yeah, so so the, all the the right graphics and everything. Oh, and nice. DLP Games is the the publisher over there. Oh, rock on. So, yeah. Okay. I mean, I saw them, but I didn't see them. Yeah. You know, when, yeah, when, when, when I went over, over to your yeah. house, right? So that's cool. Yeah. Anything else? No. Um, I maybe let's let's segue into what we're hunting and acquiring because I've kind of acquired it. I just haven't paid for it yet. Yeah. See, for me, acquire <laughs> doesn't fit until it passes so, the threshold into my house. So maybe this is under the anticipating. Sure. Of there hunting you go. And yeah, 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 yeah. But uh, eighteen sixty two railway mania in the eastern counties. Awesome. It's just uh, it's got a lot of neat stuff in there that uh, is really turning me on, and uh, so I have a copy reserved for me there you go and it's it plays two players well from what i heard which is really really rare for an 18xx so eventually we're going to get it to the table whether it's my copy or yours maybe one day we'll have dual 1862s going like dual 1846s nice uh so for hunting for me um obviously there's princes of the Oh, wait, sorry, habit. Um, Turfmaster Deluxe, uh, technically, just like you, I have not acquired it. I have it set aside for me for next month. Right. Um, it's arguably the horse racing game to get. It's pretty rare. It's one of my grail games. Um, and uh, Velmet Game Surplus got a bunch of, or at least a handful of copies in. Mm-hmm. And I made sure to set one, or cool. asked her to set one aside for me. Cannot wait to check that out. I'm so excited. The funny thing is, is I'm not really huge into horse racing. I've kind of enjoyed it a little bit ever since the uh, the old video games, uh, Gallop Racer. Especially Gallop Racer hmm. 2004. So you're looking at over a decade. I've kind of, sort of, peripherally mm-hmm. been into it. But yeah, so there's something about it that I really enjoy. And right. I'm excited to Sporty check Kings. that out. There you go. Uh and just, well, and given your successful record of Camel Cup, I can understand why you would like it. Undefeated. <laughs> just saying. <laughs> so, uh, that, and I'm anticipating playing more 18xx games, not just this weekend, but hopefully in subsequent weekends yeah. at the beginning of our... We said we're going to get something reviewed this summer, so... Yep, and so I'm, I'm hoping late June, early July to have an episode that's 18... Set. XX centric kind of a like we were talking about previously yeah. a primer for it and stuff. So, well, uh, without going into the things you played at HeavyCon, because <laughs> I don't know if we have that much uh, room on the disc drive. For what we, <laughs> no, no. Uh, what have you played outside of HeavyCon? 
and maybe maybe some of them will play together. Some yeah, yeah, so, some we have. Uh, first off was Mercator, which yeah. you're going to talk about here more yeah, in a little yeah. bit. Paul Chad loaned us his copy. Thank with, you, PC. Yeah, much appreciated. Northern Pacific, we played, and I put that in quotes yeah. because it's it's a winsome game mm-hmm. for for those un, unfamiliar with it, and it's it's it. It's filler time frame. It could take oh, yeah. three minutes, literally, or it could take or maybe minutes. 15, sure. right? We only played it three-player. Not a big fan of it play, uh, oh. three-player. Um, I want to try it with more, though, okay. and see how that is. But not maybe six. <laughs> well, um, I, I played the three-player with you guys, but right. I played it four and six as well mm-hmm. at HeavyCon. And, uh, yeah, interesting. I'm really glad you got to experience it, though, because... Now, in, I am too. I, that, I very in much that am. Conversation of like, is this really a game? What right. is this thing, man? Yeah, it, it, it's an odd duck, but I'm interested yeah. in trying to experience it again. Yeah, at a different uh, player count. It's a. Uh, it's yeah. It's interesting, and, and it's different with all the with the different player counts. But yeah, I'll say no more. Yeah. Uh, so obvious- I, I'm totally glad I have it. Don't get me wrong. <laughs> Obviously played Container a few times. Right. Uh, Brewcrafters, which we mentioned, which I'll be honest, I had low expectations, and it really, really impressed me. Yeah. Uh, I'm just not looking forward to punching my copy, because that's going to so, be yeah. long and extensive. Paul Chad loaned us uh, his copy, and uh, I went. I took it home. It took me 45 minutes to punch and bag that thing. <laughs> and, uh, and then I learned it and played it with uh, my family, mm-hmm. and, and they dug it and everything. Me and Christopher were drinking beers. Naturally, obviously, and uh, and we found our, our cool little first player markers that we're pimp- pimping the game out with. Yeah, I, don't get me wrong; the first player markers that come with the game, it's cool. If if you didn't have yeah, these already, yeah, the, yeah. they would be amazing. They're like really thick They're, wooden yeah. uh, stouts, right? Looks like like a Guinness, Guinness, man, right? Um, but the ones you found were just ridiculous, just really, yeah, really cool. good. A little plastic resin, and yeah, cool. So, I mean, I didn't know what my expectations were. I was hoping it'd be a good game, and. Um, <clears throat> it really is. Yeah, I'm really pleasantly surprised yeah. by that one. And apologies to Paul Chad because uh, rather than giving back the one I punched, I gave him my in shrink one. So sorry, <laughs> yeah. PC. So, I do love you though, man. He, he's he's <laughs> he's going to be okay with it because he's like he uh, likes him in shrink. Well, that and we have copies. He's um, like, yeah, he's like, that's fine. I'll play your copies. Right. Also played Maria. And London, which I'm going to talk about here in a little bit, but I'm excited. It was only the introductory game of uh, Maria, but even so, it was all three of ours. It was me, Brian, and Wargame buddy Chris uh, got to play it, and we all loved it, even though it's the simple version of the game. There's no politics, etc., but we already have made plans for two weeks from now to go ahead reconvene and play the advanced game. So cool. really excited, and yeah, I understand why that gets the love that yeah. it does. So I've got one play of it, and it, I enjoyed it. It was very cool. Yeah, cool. So non-HeavyCon related, what have you played? Um, really, all those things that we just talked about. Oh, really? Nothing <laughs> right. else? Just those? Okay. Right, right, right. All right, then let's roll into HeavyCon. All right. Um, sure, I'll, I'll run off some list here, <laughs> and uh, we'll talk about some things here. And yeah, yeah, Some yeah, of yeah. these games, a couple of them we played together, but we actually played a lot of games apart. Well, and I, that was somewhat on purpose sure. because we wanted. I mean, people are coming to not only HeavyCon for the heavy games, but also not to sound conceited, but to 
hang out and play with us. So we didn't want it just to be so, you and I. I was and, more interested in playing with them. Than well, you. that that too. That's implied. <laughs> I figure though. Yeah. It's, I mean, I see Figured you every you felt week. The same. Yeah, exactly. Oh, my God. No doubt. Well, uh, Northern Pacific, right? That that got a lot of a lot of plays. Not just by us, but no. by it was yeah. yeah, big time. It's that easy mm-hmm. to teach and learn. Uh, I got a play of container in that, and I always love that. Irish Gage. This is a winsome game that you must play. Yeah, everybody who chimed in on it, and I guess real quick, I should point out that I made a fairly extensive geek list on BGG that laid out everything and all the games yeah. that were played, and a lot of the people that attended have chimed in, as did others. So we'll make sure to link to that in the show notes so you cool. guys can go through and see it. But continue, Irish it, Gage, which Irish I have Gage not, I didn't like just a a, It's a notch up from SNCF in terms of uh, weight and things like that, okay. and decisions. Right. It's really, really a cool little game. Trick of the Rails. Did you get a chance to play that no, one? No, I saw it. It's the card game. Like 18xx feel to it, right? It was kind of cool. It had a little flavor. I mean, it was not an 18xx sure, game, sure. right? A little, little rummy, trick-taking game that was really pretty cool. All right. Scoring mechanics. So is it is it something that you're you're interested in actually getting? Yes. At least between us? Yes. Yeah, all right, yes. cool. Uh, the Voyages of Marco Polo. Got a couple I'm so games hoping you would do Marco so I could do Polo. Marco. Uh, Polo. Uh, I I played it twice with different people, and, and the, the highlight of those two games was seeing uh, the wife didn't win one of them. Novel? So, yes, novel. She really is. There is a certain weight of game that Shipyard, like Rococo, Trajan, Trajan all that falls into yeah. that it just, <clears throat> she's unbeatable. Yeah. It's just brutal. Arboretum, which... Everybody who played that loved it, and yeah. everybody that Tell- we're, we're hearing about on Twitter is is loving it, um, and this was pretty cool. One yeah. of the guys chimed in and said he went to uh, a FLGS. Yeah, hopefully. Uh, yeah, well, no, he went to one, <laughs> and Dave, who's yeah. the owner, a friend of ours, definitely an F. Uh, mentioned that, wow, you're the second one from HeavyCon to buy a copy of this today, so that's always a good <laughs> sign cool. And, and cool to hear. Me and uh, Brian played two-player long game Ora Labora. Yep, Ora et Labora, and uh, he scolded me in that. But uh, I was uh, I was competitive. It was a fun game. All so, right, that's all that matters. Trajan, right? Uh, Erie Railroad, which uh, everybody uh, said, yes, yeah, skip that one, man. Like because that's uh, another winsome. Yeah, when Stephen was teaching it, man, I was like, oh, cool. This sounds uh, uh, neat. Execution just is blah. Okay, it's just not not good. All right. Craftsman. Oh, wait. Who won that? Yeah, the wife. (laughs) Uh, I played Francis Drake three times. (laughs) I mean, once, but there were three rounds in the game. (laughs) Almost spit out my drink. (laughs) Sorry. That would have been bad. And the one round is, all right, but then if you have to do it two more times, I'm like... And that's why I've heard that over and over again about that game. I have no desire to play it because I've heard that it's rinse and repeat. Two more times after the first one. Facts in five. Dude, we're going <laughs> to yeah, talk more yeah. about this, but this it will be a staple at every heavy con. We, paid, uh, we played an unpublished prototype, Conflict of Plants. Yeah, which they now have the actual game in a picture of the box on BGG. Awesome. So that, awesome. was, that was pretty cool to see the reaction to that, the guys. And what we're talking about is... Uh, there were three guys that run the board game group on mm-hmm. Facebook who have since become good friends yeah. of ours. Uh, 
and they designed this game, Conflict of Plants, and it's going to get published, like, legitimately, yeah. whether it's through them or it through... Yeah, it's it's a really, really good game. I was... You know me. I'm not too keen on playing prototypes. Yeah. And so I was like, uh, but well, when they broke polished, it out... Dude, that was polished. Seriously, it looked like a... Like a game. finished game, just right. about. Yeah. And it played really cool. Like yeah. Dominant Species Light, kind of. DS without the BS. I disagree with that, but uh, but it's Dominant Species. It has a Dominant Species feel to it um, yeah. and plays in a third of the time. Yeah. Really, really cool game. Got to play Modern Art, Love Auctions. Not just Modern Art. Oh, we played the... The Chinese yeah. version. And I brought my was, easels over. Dude, that looked awesome. <laughs> the, the, check the geek list, yeah. uh, the, the, the picture of that. Cool. That was, I, yeah, I'm, first time it's gotten broken out, and I'm really excited it's to see it. It's a gorgeous game. It and really we, is. We were having fun this with it. This version of it is. Yeah, yeah. Oh, yeah. <laughs> we were having fun with it where we were actually almost role-playing a little bit in terms of, oh, oh, that picture has koi in it. Well, I'm a collector of koi art. And you know, I was like, you know, just freaking out each other on the bids and stuff that's like cool. that. That's cool. It was kind of fun. Turn the Tide? Got a hand of that in? Right. That's the that's a weird card game, it's, right? Uh, it's, I think it's cool because it's you're kind of auctioning with cards for the for these other cards that will cost you points if you win the wrong one and stuff right. like that. But here's the really cool thing about this card game. If there's five players, there's five hands of cards dealt. So there's going to be five rounds to the game. The hands will pass. I do like that so aspect of it. So none of this plays luck of the draw. Yeah, Your yeah, hand yeah. was better than mine. Everybody's playing every hand. So you get to... You get it's balanced. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> right? For a card game. And uh, the aforementioned Masters of Venice, which I thought was... Really, really cool. I don't mind the peg moving. And yeah, stuff I don't like mind that. the fiddly nature of it. And no. let me tell you, it's fiddly. But um, board. But that board's got to go. Um, I know that you and Mo were talking about redesigning the board because I sketched my God, out a, that thing is just. But I haven't sent it to Mo yet. So I mean, yeah, I have words for it's it. Just, but we're trying to keep it. It's about as big as this freaking piece of paper. And yeah, it's just and just uh, the artwork is. Just, I mean, I appreciate that they're trying to keep the theme. And the artwork consistent, yeah. but dude, function over form, please, please. Exactly. So is that it? Yeah, yeah, yeah. What did you get in? All right. So I started mine off uh, with a game of Saturn. Mm-hmm. A couple of the guys had have heard about it and you know been interested and wanted to try it. So broke that out. Everyone enjoyed it. It's, it's cool always game. a fun dexterity game. First game was Age of Steam on the heavy cardboard map. A Woo-hoo. few of the guys hadn't played it. And, or hadn't played Age of Steam. So, uh, did you guys do five? We did. Because we did four on it. Right, so I'm and it played, it, it played great at right. five. Excellent. I can't speak to four, three yet. Four or five? Five Both. was pretty good. Yeah, I, I'm, I'm totally okay playing it okay. with four or five. Okay. Um, but I have really <clears throat> since become a bigger fan of Age of Steam, which I know people are going to be happy to hear. Yeah. Um, it's, good it's so weird that it took me three games to come around, and... I really don't think it has to do with the fact that it's our map. No. I think it just finally played on an on a size appropriate map mm-hmm. and there was a, the right amount of interaction, right amount of of tightness to cool. the board. Um definitely big fan of Age of Steam now. Yeah. Played uh Greenland, which uh, uh yeah, it took me by surprise, I guess. I've owned it, I hadn't played it, and so uh Linden had taught it to to me, and we played it three player. And talk about a dice fest for an Eckling game! It was total dice fest. 
Have to put that in heavy cardboard auction. No, no, I, I'm not willing to get rid of it necessarily, but it just it took me by surprise because it what I didn't expect it mm. to be that much, you know, randomness and, and roll of, luck of the dice, which I had none. Highlight of that game was all three tribes got syphilis. Is that really a highlight? More a low light. Mm. Hmm. Anyway, decimated all our populations. Mm. It was yes. it was pretty funny. Um. Wildcatters, we got a uh, four-player game of that in, and that needs more love. We are going to feature that before the end of the year. That game absolutely needs more love. It's going to be coming out with a second edition uh, later on. I want to say the Kickstarter for it's going to be later on, late summer, early fall, but probably won't come out until 2016. Um, The final game of the first night, played Lahav. Yeah, uh, I wish I could have played uh, ran until about one thirty in the morning or so, and at that point everyone got out because 9 a.m. the next day we were going to get started. Yep. And people showed up at 9 a.m., and <clears throat> first thing, by 9.02 people were setting up Dominant Species, so I got into that game. Six-player game, Dominant Species, the first game any of us had played in which all the players were experienced players, and we could have had it done in two and a half hours. Uh, people stalled and it went one more round longer. So we, even with with six players, three hours flat, it was it was amazing. It was awesome. I won. That was cool. But the fact that we didn't have to teach it was really really yeah. kind of nice for a change and unique. Yeah, <laughs> seriously. After that, I played uh, Poseidon, which is a entry entry level kind of eighteen xx game ish. 18xx-ish. People are trying to tell me to think of it more as a winsome game as opposed to an 18xx game. Because the 18xx mechanics are there, the way it works. But it's just... It just fell flat for me. Because if I'm going to play an 18xx game, you know what I'm going to play? An 18xx game, not Poseidon. Sure. But I'm willing to give it one more try, trying to think of it more in winsome terms as opposed to 18xx terms. So we'll see how that goes. So, Facts and Five, we'll talk more about this later, mm-hmm. but it's a game from the late 60s. Mm-hmm. I say Hill. game. It's the more Aval- of a party. Avalon Hill? Yeah, it's the bookcase game. Book game, yeah. Um, that was absolutely hysterical and awesome. Saturday night, last game of the con. Last game of the night for me. For the con. And arguably the highlight of the con game-wise for me was Demacher. Played it with German Mike. Played it with... Uh, the three uh, board game group guys, and it was fantastic. It was tense. It were things turned on a dime in the sixth, and then on the seventh election they turned again. It was it was awesome. And right. German Mike won. Boo! <laughs> Must have been the soccer jersey. It was. He actually brought his German national soccer jersey to wear during the game, and then forgot the first half. Realized at the halfway point. Oh, I'm doing terrible. <laughs> I haven't thrown my jersey on. Went, threw it on, won the game. Something to that, I guess. That's awesome. Uh, then on uh, on Sunday, play Conflict of Plants, which, again, we're big fans of. Mm-hmm. Or I should say, I really I'm enjoyed not. the game. You didn't enjoy the game, but you appreciate the game. Right, right. Okay. Same with DS. Right. Don't enjoy the game. Appreciate the game. Which you're still going to have to fight through some more plays so we can review. I'm ready. Okay, good. Oh, hey, <laughs> to oh. review. It. Oh no! <laughs> <laughs> yes, it'll go right up there by Lagranha. Oh, you you hurt me. 
Um, last two, uh, I also got a game of Container in yes. um, with Paul Chad, and it was his first ever That's game right. of Container, which blew my mind. That's right. How this guy can love and play as many heavy games as he does, and having not played Container yet, hopefully that was the beginning of, of a lot more games in the future. Mm-hmm. And then uh, finished off with uh, Masters of Venice. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I, I, as an aside... I couldn't have been happier with with the way things went. Yeah, man. Everyone, we knew about half the people that were there. The other half came in from around the country, and everyone just couldn't have been nicer, couldn't have been more adult-like, you know? Yes. And just just polite and just gracious and... Generous with their time. They brought stuff, too, you know, other scotches and and stuff. And everybody chipped in, because we didn't charge. We just kind of... We're hoping people would donate, and everyone, I can't say enough good stuff. So thank you to everybody that came. I'm sorry to all those that couldn't or that didn't necessarily get an invite. Uh, Next year, we're going to expand it marginally in baby steps. We probably don't want it to grow bigger than 50, at most, maybe 100 people ever, Um, and that's a maybe. But yeah, that's kind of what we're we're hoping this becomes an annual thing, and I know people are jonesing for next year already. So, yay! That right went, on. That went well. It was great. Yeah. Thanks, guys. All right, it's time for Heavy Cardboard's take on Mercator. Mercator is a Uwe Rosenberg game that I've long wanted to play, and I finally got a chance to get a couple plays in. And wanted to share my experiences with everybody and talk about the game a bit. Cool. It's a 2010 publication by Lookout Games. Plays one to four players. 45 to 90 minutes is the time frame, depending on those player counts. And the game is completely different than the lion's share of Uva's games. It's not like Le Havre, Agricola, etc. I feel it's a closer relative to um, At the Gates of Luoyang. I could see that. Than to anything else. And... um, it is so. It's really its own thing, and it's a pick up and deliver game of all things. So now, stay awake here. It's sixteen hundreds Europe, and you're a merchant fulfilling contracts with goods. So original. <laughs> what? Huh? Wake uh, up now. Uh. So during this game, you're going to have one or more contracts in your player tableau. That are going to reward you with cash and a more lucrative contract when you deliver the goods that that contract calls for in the country that that contract specifies. I take these four things to Spain, I get X amount of dollars and a better contract. The contracts are valued from 2 to 10 money when you deliver them, so you'll get some cash. Once they're delivered, unlike many contract fulfillment, recipe fulfillment games, you don't discard the contract. It stays there. And now I got another contract on there, uh, the, the more lucrative one. So if I delivered a four contract, I got four dollars. I keep that and I get a five contract now. Yep, exactly. You know, um, so, and I'm going to keep that contract until I no longer have the desire to to retain it, basically. And in this manner, the number of contracts a player has is always going to be increasing. A little bit more coming up on that. So you're going to travel to different countries to pick up goods that are stored travel. in your warehouse. <laughs> yes. <laughs> you're going to move a pawn <laughs> to some boxes. Right. Um, and you're going, to, you're going to pick up any goods that are on there. So you go to France. There's three blue cubes. Hey, you get those three blue cubes. Put them in your warehouse. 
and, um, and you'll use them to fulfill things uh, later on. When you're traveling, you're going to either gain some time or you're going to spend some time. Time's just a form of currency in the game. Right. I mean, it's a, there's a physical board a time, where the time markers are laid out. That's right. And if it says you gain one time, it, you... It's also a timer in the game. Right. Too. Because it's one when, of that's, the ways. when that's gone, it's... It's one game way the game can right, end. Yeah. right, right. On another player's turn, and this is what I think is cool, too, you can accompany them on their travels to other countries. So when I go to France and I get those three cubes and I might do whatever other business I have in France, we'll go around the table. Edward, would you like to travel to France? We, oui. we. Oui. Uh, and if, if you do, then you will, be, you will pay me some time, some of your time currency to do so. Usually, And yes. then you can conduct mm-hmm. business in France as well. So even when it's not your turn, there's a possibility of it being your turn. Right, right, yeah. <laughs> uh, almost like a... Uh, like a minor turn that you can yeah. do because you only get, you know, half as many you resources. You get the business and, portion. Yeah, exactly. Right, right, yeah, right, yeah. right. Um, let's see. During the game, you're going to acquire, they're called bonus cards. And these things give you extra goods when you travel to specific places. So when I go to Newfoundland, I will get two muskets or only one musket if I accompany. Right. Two if I go there, one if, if I accompany someone else. And I'm also going to acquire building cards it's funny because the building cards have people, people on them. They yeah, that was... really have buildings on them. Yeah. But the, the building cards are just endgame victory points for fulfilling various conditions. I have the most of this or the you know second most of that for points for every four of these things, yep. etc. It's those kind of things. And the, to buy a building card, it costs you money, actual currency, sometimes quite a lot. In the standard game, you've got a limit of 15 money. There is a variant that can alter that. At the beginning of your turn, when you're over that limit, you have to spend money. First world problems. First world problems. And you spend money on buying those bonus cards and those mm-hmm. building cards. So now the game is making me, number one, build my engine with the bonus cards, and number two, take on scoring goals. Those building cards the building with cards. people on them. Yeah, right. with yeah. people. On <laughs> also, another trigger for having to do something is if I ever have more than five contracts, I'm obliged to sell contracts back to the game. And that's why you would get rid of some of those right. that you've already fulfilled or have no desire. I can never have more than five when I go out of that phase. I could sell all the way down to one if I really wanted to, you know, but that's a way I'm selling those contracts. I'm getting some more money. Oh, crap. Now I've got 18 bucks. I better buy that card. So there's a little cycle that you mm-hmm. go through at the beginning of your turn. I think, I think it's kind of cool. No, I, I, I agree. The game's going to end, we mentioned, when the time currency runs out on the board. Also, when a player delivers a 10-value contract, we're going to have the awarding of the Peace piece of Westphalia card, and that's worth 14 points, and that'll end the game, too. And all the other players, including the one who ended it, will get an additional turn. Which we thought was weird, because yeah. usually whoever triggers the end of the game... That's okay, it for them. That's it for them, and then it's right. everyone else. Right. So this case, we thought that was a bit, little peculiar. Yeah. So then you end up you add up your your VPs and uh, and you see who won. So I, I think it's a it's a highly replayable game. No two games are the same, just given all the different mix of mixes of contracts and how they come out and mm-hmm. things like that. Um, I think you could pursue the same strategy, but the execution of it might be completely different. I'd buy that. Yeah. There's a lot of variants that come in the rule book too. So if you don't like this, you don't like that. So the one. 
you know me and the random oh, stuff. Oh, oh yeah, the uh, when the, you get, when you get to an end of a row of time counters, you flip it over and you reveal, and it's maybe it's got the letter B on it. So everybody's going to lose some goods from storehouse B, and which is three three different types of goods. Why? Just right. because the tile got flipped over? You know, I don't right. like crap like that. One variant is just don't do that. So, so we didn't, so we didn't do, that. do that. Right. Um, I would like to play with a variant that says when I deliver that four contract and now I get a five. I can pick my five. Huh. So you get a little more strategic, pick, maybe? Pick the litter as opposed yeah. to just random whatever happens Whatever's to be on, on top. top. There is a variant in there where I, the top one, I can auction it off if one of you guys really want it. See, then I'll take the next one. That sounds I cool, like, too. Yeah. I like that idea because ah. it kind of it, it, it encourages you or rewards you for racing for something that you see someone else might want right. and then be like, Oh, you want it? How much? Yeah. You know. So I I like that idea. The there's a the cool mechanic, there's a cool mechanic about how do the countries get restocked. So if I go here, all the countries connected to it will get more cubes and uh, the minor countries will populate mostly all of the major Yeah, yeah, countries. a lot of them depending yeah. on how many existing cubes they already have. Really dig the accompanying mechanic. I think that's really neat. And I like that the contracts once they're fulfilled, they're not removed. It's up to me to remove it when I'm ready to move it or, you know, when I'm over my limit of contracts and I have to start making some decisions about which ones to keep. I think that's pretty neat. Um, and uh, I like that the game has these nine different colors of cubes and they all have two uses. So when I get green, it's either going to be, um, what is it? Cattle, or I can't remember now. Or, oh, you know, or I know muskets. one. I, yeah, it, you know, I know one the, was the yellow cows. is sort, saltpeter, or it could be grain. Right, and when you when you go to a country and you can acquire that whole pile of cubes, one must go into each, and then you decide yeah. it, how to you know disperse them because the certain contracts they're not done by cubes. Like, oh, you don't need three green cubes; you need three, three muskets, right? Specific ones. So right. if you you know, allocated them poorly, that's on you. Right. And then you never know how your contracts are going to change, too. Now you got this pile of grain. So, yeah. Pile of grain can't be too bad because a four of one thing equals any one of another in a, in a contract fulfillment. Um, I think, you know, some of, the things, some of the things that aren't cool about the game is that, that whole loss of good mechanic. Just oh, really, the, like, the, when I read that, I'm like, bull crap, man. <laughs> Wait, uh, no. <laughs> Where's the variant? Okay, whoo, here's well, one. that and... It's dry. It is a very, bone. Yeah, it I is I mean, very. it's I. You and I were not. Theme is not mandatory. No. Um, but it's. It's dry. Yeah. <laughs> you know, we talked about the person who ended it getting another turn. I don't really like that. It's kind of a. It's not his first game. It seems like a rookie mistake by Uva. It's. it's I mean, I, I have seen other games that do that. It just doesn't. It doesn't. The heuristic of it says that whoever triggers the end of the game, they should be done. Yeah. That's what we're used to because most yeah, games yeah. do that. Easy enough for a variant or whatever. Yeah, so. yeah. Okay, if you don't like it, then whoever triggers it, yeah. he's done. Or she's done. So I am going to give the game a rating. I'm oh, gonna, okay. I think, it's a, I think it's a solid game. It's not heavy. It's not light. It's somewhere in between. I've enjoyed my plays. It's got some really neat mechanics. Just overall in the execution, maybe it doesn't work out. As awesome as the bits and pieces of it are. Okay. Um, I was not inspired to get my own copy. If I if I run across one for you know twenty twenty five bucks or whatever, sure. 
I don't know if I'm not I paying would, 40, 50, no. 60 bucks. It's no, just, absolutely it's not there not. for me. So I'm going to give it a rating of a four. So it's above average game. Okay, and see, I'm leaning more towards a three mm-hmm. that because at a four, I consider picking up a copy. Oh. And I, I'm not opposed to playing the game again, but I'm not going to be like. Hey T, you wanna you wanna bust out a game in Mercator? Oh hell's yeah! Well, no, we're not yeah, gonna be no, that way. not no. so much. So I, I'd rate it a three. Okay, cool. Um, not not Uve's best, but no. but not painful. No, there's some play. interesting things in play, yeah. but execution's a little bit lacking. Yeah, it's Mercator, guys. All right, it's time for heavy cardboard's take on London. London, published in 2010, designed by Martin Wallace, published by Tree Frog Games, which is the copy I have, but also published by Mayfair. Okay. Uh, plays two to four. I've only played it once. I played it uh, four player. Uh, it says it takes uh, about 90 minutes. Took us about two hours, but all of us essentially were new. Okay. One, one of us had played a little bit. So, in all honesty, I think the 90 minutes is pretty spot on. So, in London. Players are helping to rebuild London after the Great Fire up through the 19th century. The game, mechanically, is pretty simple. You perform one of four actions on your turn. You play a card from your hand into your tableau, which is building a building. You can run your city, which activates as many or as few of the buildings that you've built in front of you as you choose. You can buy buy land in London, which is place a wooden in my copy, or cardboard marker in a borough, uh, or you draw three additional cards. That's it. Hmm. Uh, you score victory points by playing those cards or, or building those buildings, uh, buying land and running your city. Whomever has the most VPs, uh, when the draw deck runs out, wins. Okay. So the draw deck is the timer of the game. Okay. So there's lots of like, there is lots to like in the game. Like I said, it's really pretty simple mechanically. Sure. Most everything you do has a cost associated with it. When you play buildings from your hand, you have to discard a card of the same color onto the card display. And depending on player count, in a four-player game, there's two rows of five. So potentially up to ten cards on the card display. So it's great that you have this cool new building uh, You know, when you decide to run your city... But maybe you discarded also a cool building for someone else to be able to draw into their hand. When you build this building, you either cover an existing building uh, or you have to place it next to an existing building. So lots of buildings give you lots of good stuff, but just know that there's going to be a penalty coming up here when you run your city, which I'll get into in a minute. Hmm. When you buy land out on the board itself, you have to pay in pounds sterling. Various amounts to claim the location. As this is a Wallace game, money is tight, and there are, of course, Tony, loans. The loans have a 50% interest rate that can only be paid back at the end of the game. 50%! And for every loan that you do not pay back, costs you 7 points. And that's that's going to hurt. That's going to be a significant uh, amount of points. Whew. Then... Like I said earlier, you can run your city. To do this, you simply announce, hey, I'm going to run my city. And you activate as many or as few of your buildings as you choose. So in a perfect world, you laid out your your buildings so that they chain upon one another or they they pay off based on, like, hey, uh, for you get $2 for every blue card that you have in your tableau. 
oh, I have four. So maybe when you, when you activate one of your buildings, most of them are one-time use buildings. So you flip them over face down and you'll never get to use that building ah, again. Okay. You'll get the end game victory points if sure. there were any on it. But maybe that would behoove you to score that card that gives you blue cards or money for blue cards, then activate the <laughs> right. blue cards. That type of thing. All right, that's cool. Yeah. That could lead to some interesting decisions, the timing of things. Absolutely. Um, many of the buildings, uh, when you activate them, have a cost associated with them. So not only did you have to pay a cost, possibly money, but you more than likely had to discard a card of the same color to build the building, to put it into play. But then to play or to activate the building when you run your city, you have to usually discard a card, but of any color this time, as opposed to a specific. Um, then you're going to get money, victory points, or other you know little goodies. Then, like I said, it's usually one uh, one-time use, so you flip it over, never to be used again. But you can build on top of it to be able to keep your your city compact because we're getting we're going to get to this. But there's going to be a, a significant penalty for okay. having a bigger city. Okay. So I haven't even mentioned poverty, and that's going to be the, the downside to things. Poverty in medieval London? Yeah, right? What? These are uh, little black cubes that you acquire when you run your city. They cost you potentially a lot of points at the end of the game. This is a Wallace game, after all. Every time you run your city, you're going to add up the number of cards in your hand, the number of building stacks, and I say stacks because you can build buildings on right. top of one another, uh, the number, the amount of building stacks in your tableau, um, and then subtract how many places you've bought land from out on the boroughs, and boom, that's how much poverty or pollution, we called it, you get. So here, here's an example. Say I have a tableau of eight cards, so I have a row of eight cards okay. across, okay? Whether they have existing buildings or I've used them all, doesn't matter, or use most of them. I have eight stacks, plus I have three cards in my hand. And let's say I've bought land in four different boroughs. So that's eight buildings. I have three in my hand. That's for 11. Minus the four that I've built out there. That gives me net of seven. I take seven poverty cubes. Yowch. Yeah. At the end of the game, whoever has the fewest amount of poverty gets to discard them all. Kind of like pirates oh, yeah. in, in a sense in Madeira. <laughs> right. So if, if everybody at the table has 15 poverty no and I have three. Oh, I discard three. Everybody else at the table gets to discard three. Okay. And then, based on the uh, amount you have, there's a there's a scale or an amount. You know, hey, if you have this many, you lose this many victory points. Um, it goes up to like fifteen points, and then it's extra points for everyone above like fifteen. It's it's pretty pretty punishing Sounds in a cool. good way, though. Yeah, cool. yeah, yeah, yeah. So the components in the tree frog version, which is the one I have. Uh, are really great. They have big chunky wooden bits for the building markers when you buy land and big chunky wooden money, which I love wooden, wooden money. money. This is a no Martin Wallace money? No, 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 no. This is the tree frog edition. Oh, right. Hold on. It also happens to come with inside of it the Mayfair edition components. Now, the Mayfair edition, to be honest with you, isn't bad. They're really thick, cardboard, you know, vibrant, looks good. But it has Martin Wallace money. Yeah. So that's the downside. So we'll just set that aside into a bag and we'll never have to touch that. The card play, like I kind of described, really kind of cool. Uh, having to discard for other players to pick up kind of has that arboretum or rummy mm. kind of feel to it. 
Um, so yeah, hey, I got this great building, but eh, I don't want to give you this one. And but you do what you got to do. Um, it's fast paced. There's not a lot of downtime unless somebody ap's, which huh. hopefully they're not. You're not allowing that. Is this prone to that or? Um, we had one player that kind of kind of tanked a little bit, huh. but it could be that he was new sure. and he's not really. He's more of a war gamer, so playing euros is pretty new to him. Gotcha. So I think if you're used gotcha. to it. I don't think it'll be much of a problem. It's more challenging. Yeah. Euros. Right. Um, hmm. So chaining of uh, building rewards when you run your city is cool. Uh, it Like we I, we were saying, it <clears throat> makes the order in which you activate your buildings kind of a little sure. a cool little puzzle to figure out on top of everything else. Um, you have an ongoing balance of do I build a bigger city, which maybe I can run off this huge thing when I run my city. But I'm also going to get a whole lot of poverty. Or do I run an efficient, smaller city and not get much poverty? It's a decision you have to make. Uh, and it seems, even though I've only played it once, Brian, who I played with, uh, had played it uh, numerous times, said there's really a lot of different paths to hmm. succeed, okay. which is always a good thing. You can focus on uh, buying land out on the board. Um, if maybe the cards you get say, hey, for every borough you have north of the of the Thames River, you know, you get X amount of money. Maybe okay. you focus on something like that. Yeah. Um, big cities, small cities, everything can work. That's cool. So, as far as downsides, um, you're all drawing from a communal deck and they're, the decks are broken into A, B, and C, so okay. they, they progressively get better, is all the difference is. Um, so you got luck of the draw. Sure. You know, you, you may consistently get better cards than me, so there's that. Um, like I mentioned, the AP is possible, but I wouldn't say prone. Um, and there's really not a lot of interaction. Really, the only interaction you're going to have is I discarded a card that you may want, sure. or maybe you're cussing me because I built in the borough that you wanted to, that type thing. But other okay. than that, pretty solid. I'm looking forward to playing it again in the future, but I'm not jonesing to play it like I would, say, a brass. Gotcha. Age of Steam, something okay. like that. Interesting. So... Yeah, that's uh, so too early to give it a rating. Okay. But um, yeah, looking forward to playing it again. Right on. That's London. All right, it's time for our take on Container. Yes, it's out of print. <laughs> sorry, it, but no, not sorry. No, it can't be that way forever. forever. But is it worth the money? Let's find out what we think. Let's. 2007 publication. It was designed by Franz Beno Delange and Rest in Peace. Indeed. And uh, Thomas Evert. The artist is Mike Doyle. The publisher was Valley Games. It's a three to five player game taking about 90 to 150 minutes, somewhere in that little region. Availability and cost, it's really uh, <laughs> secondhand market only. Yeah. 160 250 bucks depending on condition does it have the expansion various the greediness of the of the seller if you're patient and you you time it right you can get lucky and get it for a reasonable 70 80 90 dollars um just hard, hard to do it, n not easy but it is possible uh scalability in the game yeah so i've played it Six times. Uh, I've played it once three-player. I've played it twice four-player. And the rest, I've played five-player. I've played eight times at all counts. Okay. Um, I think it's a viable game at three. 
Um, however, I would prefer to play something else yeah. if we're going to play a three-player game. Um, I think it's great with four and stellar with five. I've only played it once with three. Mm-hmm. And it, honestly, I had no interest in playing with three. And you had said, let's just play it. And we, I still mostly, have no interest in playing with three. But right, it right. was the three of us knew how to play and knew what we were doing. And we were... I think it worked out okay, but... And it played super fast. It did play pretty fast. Uh, played in like an hour yeah, uh, for three of us. Yeah. Um, but I think it's it's better with more because yeah. of the dynamic economy, um, which is going to make sense as we go through yeah. the review. All right, let's talk about some of the gameplay aspects of Container. Again, as you know, we don't explain the rules of the game. In Container, the players are both producers and shippers of goods. The goods will come in five different types, and they're represented by little colored containers. The players have their own little player board on which they're going to produce goods and make them available for sale in the factory store for one to four money. I don't know what the actual currency is. Let's just call it money. The other <laughs> Everything's players, dollars. Everything's dollars. dollars. Yeah. That's right. It's not euros, baby. Right. The other players can buy those goods, and you're never allowed to buy the goods that you produce and put in your factory store. Your player board also has an area that's the the dock and the warehouses. And this area allows you to buy and store the goods that you buy from other people's factory stores. So I'm going to buy those two containers for $2 each, put them in my warehouse slash dock area. And when I do that, I choose the price. I'm setting a price of between $2 and $6 for those things. Other players can then pull their ship up to my docks and purchase those goods. I cannot ever dock my own ship at my own uh, dock and, and buy my own goods. Very You're socialist. never allowed to buy anything on your board. <laughs> right. It, and, and sometimes it's hard for people to get their head around that, but it, it's, a, yeah, it's an interesting dynamic. Each player has this aforementioned ship that can arrive at the docks of the other players to buy those goods, and the ship can carry one to five containers. So once you go to a player's dock, you can buy as many things as they have available for sale. Up to five. Up to five or whatever. Maybe you pulled up with two container slots already filled. Now you can only buy up to three. Right. Whenever you have your ship loaded with what you want on it, you will sail your ship to the island. There's the central island in the middle of the table. And Which I'm dying to know what this island yeah, is. I, I, don't I don't know if it's a real island or not, but I'm dying to know that. When you get there, you're going to auction off the containers that are on your ship. And your ship need not have five containers on it. If Nay. you really want to go there with one container on it, you can do that. The bid for the container load is, is really an interesting aspect of the game. It's a secret auction. You hold your money cards in your hand, and everyone reveals. every. Blind bidding. All the other players, me as the person who docked my ship there, I'm not bidding on this at this point. I'm The other players are bidding their offer. They're making their offer to me on my container. Right. You're just selling it. You're, yes. you're, you're talking up the wonderful containers that you have oh, on your especially ship. Especially those gold ones. Right. <laughs> um, if, when, the, when those bids are revealed, I, as the auctioning player, have the choice of I may accept that high bid and take that player's money. Let's say it was $14. It was $14. The game would also match that bid and give me $14. So nice little subsidy. Yes, yeah, sub- government subsidy. So I got $28 for that. 14 paid by the player, 14 paid by the game. And in this manner, more money comes into the game. That's it's really the only way more money comes into the game, other than loans. 
<laughs> something I'm fond of. <laughs> and know uh, intimately well. Now, of course, my other option is, if I'm thinking this load's worth more than 14 bucks to me... Maybe it cost you $14 maybe, to produce uh, it. I can always, instead of accepting the high bid, match it. And pay money out of the game to the bank and then keep the containers that I brought to the island. <laughs> Everyone's got a little slice of the island on which they pile their containers for endgame scoring. Right. The, uh, that, that endgame scoring is triggered by a card. Every player is dealt in, in secret one card that's going to have a little schedule of how much the different colored containers are worth to them. And all the cards are different, of course, and there's some little nuances. They're, they're identical, but different in a sense. All that, the scoring is the same, but orange might be worth five to me, but it's worth ten to you. Sure. You know, that right, kind of thing. Exactly. Or two, or who knows what. Right. And, and so at the end of the game, you're going to uh, want to be the player with the most money. On hand, so any money that you have left in your hand is going to be evaluated as part of your score and the value of your containers according to the, according to that card. With one catch. With one catch, whatever color you have the most of, that's out of the game. So you don't want to have the most of the things that are worth ten points to you. You, you want to have the most of the things worth two points, or or, or not points, but dollars. Dollars, right? Because uh, dollars are points at that right. point. Well, I just you're, yeah, you're very particular absolutely, about that. Absolutely, so. <laughs> money, right? Um, and and so then you calculate your score. Whoever's got the most money wins. And then the way the end game is triggered is of those five kinds of containers. When two of them are gone. We cannot produce any Two more colors. black and we can't produce any more brown. That's triggering the end of the game. And it happens immediately on that player's, on that turn. player's they, turn. They finish their turn and Boom. that's it. Start counting up your containers and your money. Yep. And uh, that's pretty much uh, that's pretty much going on of containers gameplay. I honestly think that players could probably play the game. It's simple. It's, yeah, it, there's not much left. Right. All right, let's talk about the components that come in container. You want to start or you want me sure, to sure. hammer it out? Let's talk about maybe the graphic design. I feel like it's a mixed bag, really. Really? Yeah. Okay. Then, and yeah. components and stuff. Okay, then tell... Well, the components, yes, but the graphic design. Go ahead. Well, I mean, it's, it's all cool and everything, but the colors are kind of weird. Uh, here's, the, here's the parts that I think are cool. Those resin ships. Those oh, they're awesome. Are killer. Right? Yeah, they are. And like the red ones, kind of burnt pink, and the, the player the color is suck. red. I mean, I mean, it's the universal. Colors, yeah, everyone thinks the I mean, colors suck. Graphically, iconography, it's all just you know, it's wonderful, right? The prices are clear, and you know what what is what. Well, but the color choices in the game are just it's just I the, those browns. <laughs> The brown they, containers don't match the brown on the card. Yeah, I it, feel like I want to spray paint them, but I'm not going <laughs> to. All right. So you want to start graphic design? We'll yes. start there. In my opinion, the graphic design itself couldn't be clearer. Um, simple design, but little things help. And the thing that I really, really appreciate that they did um, is <laughs> on your player board, they have money that faces two different directions, either towards you or either away yeah. from you. The stuff that faces you is the cost uh, for you to buy machines or I'm going to or interchange warehouses. machines in, in factories. As the same. Yeah. Machines are factories going forward. But uh, if it's facing you, you buy either factories or warehouses right. for those numbers. That whereas, little circle's got a six in it facing you. costs you six bucks. Right. Whereas if the number's facing your opponents or the or the rest of the table, mm-hmm. then that's what they that's the prices you need to set for your goods, whether it's what you're producing, whether it's you know the one through four, or whether it's the two through six for when you buy 
goods other people have produced. And I think that's such a little thing, but such a, such a really, really well thought out, simple design choice that they made to make it yeah. really, really clear and help. Totally. Um, now, as far as components go, <sighs> ships are awesome. Ships Big, are awesome. chunky, awesome. Colors Co- suck. Colors we, are weird. We've covered that. Cardboard? They're, well, hold on. The, chi- the, the, the ships themselves, though, they're resin. They don't come protected when you buy. Yeah. I bought mine second secondhand used, and so when I got my copy, they're wrapped in bubble wrap mm-hmm. and in a Ziploc bag. That's how you keep yours. That's right. how I keep mine. However, they're easy to chip. Um, so little corners and stuff and whatnot were chipped off of mine. Yeah. Yeah. It's going to happen. It's resin. When someone like smacks it down on the table, that cringe. Yeah, yeah, exactly. <laughs> uh, I've heard horror stories that people bought it new and they're they're they have to glue them. Um, we mentioned that some of the, uh, some of the, uh, containers are similar in color. Like there's a light brown and a dark brown or a brown and a tan. And the, and like you said, the colors don't match on the card necessarily. Um, yeah, we manage. Yeah. The cards are fine, but in my opinion, they would have benefited to have a linen finish. Um, yeah, sure. It's a little thing, but in the expansion, the money cards that come in the expansion are like two millimeters Thinner than the than the oh, regular uh, well, money cards. Less wide, you're yeah. saying, so they don't line up. Perfectly. Yeah, so like yes. something <laughs> drives me nuts. A little OCD there. Yeah, the uh, the player boards can be prone to warping I a think, little bit. Hmm, I haven't had that. I, I yeah. haven't either, but it is it's a minor thing. Sure, and even sure. if they do warp, they're not drastic. No. But they're it's enough to bother you, especially for the cost of the game. Um, there's a small number of resin container sets, one of which I have. Um, that add to the awesomeness of the components, but the resin, so yeah. they're fragile. So yeah, sometimes I've seen uh, the containers be <laughs> irregularly shaped. I had or one the container that was like half as tall as it should be, so it was you know, it was very weird. Yeah, so, and some of the warehouses are very yeah, tight. it's just not consistent. Yeah. But just understand it's that that's yeah, it, yeah, it's not a deal breaker. But I figure if you're going to pay two hundred dollars for the game, possibly you might want to know about that. Yeah, yeah, so. Rulebook clarity and quality. I I had no issues learning the game from the rulebook. It's it's quite really clear. clear. It, Multiple languages. Yep, yep. And it helps that the game's relatively simple. So the yeah. rulebook, there's just not much. Yeah, recommended. Good, solid, whatever. So, so in terms of weight, where does this where does this fall in your head in the on the medium and the heavy? I think it's heavy. The funny thing is, is when I when I was prepping for the show, I was going through the five things, the five ways that we break down weight, right? Right. And I was like, "Huh, it's not a lot there. It's not a lot there." So is it heavy? And then I got into why I like the game, and then I was like, "Oh, that's where the weight comes in." Yeah. So it, I think it's right on that line. I don't know if it's. Oh, the see, heavy end of medium or the light end of heavy? I think it's right on the Oh, line. I, I think it's solid in the heavy. Okay. So cool. we'll, we'll get into this. I, I'm curious to see right, well, how... Okay, what, What's complex for you in well, this game? Like we said, the rules are fairly simple. Yeah. Um, perform two actions on your turn and that's it. Right. Arguably, of one of the list. simpler real, rule set we've ever yeah, reviewed yeah, on this show. There's really just no complexity in the rules. <clears throat> Agreed. The hard part is understanding the market and how to price and when to bid and when to pass on bidding. Mm-hmm. Lots of really damn tough decisions, as you would expect in a pure economic game. Well, let's uh, let's come back to that. Okay. One thing that I think in the complexity is 
people don't uh, sometimes when I'm teaching it, it's like hard to ex- under make a person understand that they can't ever buy the stuff that they made or or purchase from other. It's a little odd. <clears throat> Excuse me. And um, it's socialist in, in nature. It really is. It's not like real. To life. some people, that's a little complex to get over with. Right, right off. The, I could see that. Off the sure. bat. Yeah, yeah. But like, boom, they're into it as mm-hmm. soon as they see things go on. So, is there any planning in in container? So here, allow me to read my run-on sentence here on planning. Yeah. Okay. Right. Okay. On. Fire. While highly tactical on the surface, there is quite a bit of planning involved as you get better with the game. For instance, okay, two sentences, whatever. For instance, (laughs) understanding the ramifications of winning an auction for a shipload of containers and how it will affect not only you for Mm. the next few turns, i.e. you paid a bunch of money, maybe now you're less liquid, you're more Mm -hmm. cash poor, Mm -hmm. but also what that influx of cash is going to do for the owner of the ship that you not only paid X amount of money to, but they also got that government subsidy to. So understanding those type of ramifications, that's when the game gets really good. And that's why I think there is a lot of depth in the planning as well as the complexity. What do you, 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 no, you're, you're, you're furrowing your brow. Yeah. Um, I agree with what you said. I, I think that's all, all tactical. I think in terms of planning in this game is like, am I going to focus on, uh, just being a shipper, reseller? No, they're. Am I going to go heavy into production? What mm-hmm. Am I going to dabble in both? What am I doing? That's my plan, my strategy. And then it's all about the tactics getting there. So I, I you know. I, no, I, I see. And maybe, maybe, part, maybe what I just said belongs more in the complexity as opposed to the planning. But I do think I think that it it's belongs there. somewhere else that we're going. Okay, go for it. Any luck in random factors? There's very little in what there is. Is really a non-factor there, and it's all pre-game. Yeah. The first thing is you're going to get the scoring card, which again right. we've already covered. The second thing, <laughs> the second thing is the machines or yep. the factories. Everyone's going to get one random right. one, and that's it. Hey, my um, orange. But that really, neither of those things have impact as far as what direction to go in the game, mm-hmm. um, because it's perfectly yeah. even across the board for everybody. Yeah, thereafter. Right. There isn't any. Right. So. So what about uh, what about game length? Other than if the players don't understand, they have to produce containers to end the game. <laughs> <laughs> right? Yeah, yeah. Is game length a feature, um, of, a function of heaviness? It has a longer playtime when you get into five players, mm-hmm. um, but it doesn't really feel like it. No. And to be honest with you, I, I'm not sure that it adds much by way of weight to the game. The, yeah, the, the, no, the, I the agree game completely. Okay, so so, he, so here's where I think you were going with everything. Because okay. Because no, when you were talking about some complexity stuff, you were talking yeah. about the. I think you're talking about the depth in the game and the getting it. I because that's I where could see that. Yeah, that's. Yeah, I uh, complexity planning. Yeah, I. It fits in here. Maybe I'm just not quite hundred percent sure where. <laughs> but no, go for it. Because there is. Go ahead. There's a lot of depth in the game. You know? Totally agree. So and uh, you know, I think I think it takes folks a couple of turns to. Get over the. I'm going to put it here, and you're going to buy it, and then I'm going to buy it back and put it here, so that and then you you're can going come to haul it, it off, right. so that I can buy it on the island. <laughs> right. You know, it takes a couple of turns for folks to see that working out. Um, yeah, and then they see the brilliance of of that uh, interesting mechanic, and it's that stuff you were just talking about. You know, it's like how does that sail? I'm going to 
I'm going to bid 14 bucks for those three containers, or whatever it is. Mm-hmm. You know, that means that guy's, he's going to get 28, 28. or crap, worse, he's going to take it. But Brian, I know Brian's going to go 15. I mean, my God. I mean, it's a $42 you're, swing. You're analyzing what's on his island, what's on his island. Crap, there's nothing on your island. What the hell? I don't have any information here to go by. You know, right. <laughs> Absolutely. Um, as far as for me, on top of that, forgetting it, um, it's easy for players to overlook or mismanage or forget or fill in the right word about the whole, hey, whatever container I have the most of at the end of the game, yeah, it's out. Yeah, yeah. And so I would say it. P- players will understand the basics of it early on, a couple mm-hmm. turns. They need to re- remember and try and see the end game as far as the valuation. I mean, it's pretty straightforward on that, but um, it's easy to forget that, right. like I said. And then it's going to take, I think, multiple, multiple games to grasp just all the subtleties that this yeah. game has. The players are the game. I yeah, it, well, that's it. I mean, there is no... I mean, I... I'm scared to say that there's just not much in that box. It's all about the rules. The people around the table. Yeah, that's I mean, that is yeah. the game. And it, it's it's a it's a restricted economy sandbox too. And I love that aspect of the game. You know, players can drain cash out of the game and create periods of a very austere economy. A, a recession. <laughs> right. Yeah. And um, you know, some people say it's fragile game, or or maybe it can be broken or whatever. I I, I guess so. I haven't really. I've experienced austerity. I haven't experienced <laughs> anyone uh, quote unquote breaking the yeah, game. Yeah. But I just feel like that's just that's just the character of that session. That's mm-hmm. how those players are playing that game. You know, mm-hmm. money money's going to go in and out, up and down, and just depends on what's happening, how people are valuing things and so you're saying it's multiple it's games a, it's a sandbox yeah, yeah. and and each game's character could be different and so that that depth is is right in there where it's like you're playing the players it's the sandbox limited economy that has different character at different times of the game that whole depth that's what takes multiple plays for people to get their head into yeah totally agree with that right on. Hey, why don't you start us off talking about some of the cool aspects of the game that we enjoy? Well, it's a pure player-driven economy. Mm-hmm. Um, price things well, and they sell. Or don't, and they don't. Uh, live and learn. <laughs> or die and learn. Or die and learn. <laughs> Jerome Fault. not giving you $6 for that orange container. Right, exactly. Unless that's the only orange container in the game. <laughs> right, and with it being so, it allows players to set the prices of everything in the game. The emergent... Economy mm-hmm. behavior and behaviors that this encourages, it's it's fun, it's exciting, and it changes every single game you yep. play. Turn to turn, even. Mm-hmm. Finally, a game where taking loans is actually part of a viable strategy. Yeah. Uh, so in the in, in the and rules aspect, in the rules aspect, we didn't even hit on this. Right. Um. So at any point. On your turn, you can take a loan if you want. You can't have more than two. Right. And in the expansion, one of the cool things, uh, normally when you take a loan, it's $10 and you have to pay $1 back uh, at the beginning of every turn. Mm -hmm. If you can't afford it, you have to take another loan. 
Um, if you if you have two loans and can't afford your interest or, or you need more money or something, bad then, things are going to happen. I've never seen it. No, Don't let no, that no. because you were in a death spiral that you can't. The game get starts out. repossessing your stuff. Right, starting Whereas, with containers. In the expansion, it's the exact same thing, except players can loan it. That's right. the money, and now I would you like pay a the loan. interest. Oh, I'll I'll give you one, and then PCs over there. He's like, yeah, I will too, and then we have to bid additional money yeah. to give you a loan. And it, it's cool because I'm taking money out of your hand. I'm also giving you a buck every turn while I'm holding that. Take that loan as long as you need to pay it off, sir. I do not mind. <laughs> right. It's really, really cool. And and it's part of the tactics, too. You know, it's like, all right, this container's going out for sale. I'll take a loan. <laughs> exactly. Even if I'm not going to bid. <laughs> I might take a loan just to make somebody put, you know, four or five extra bucks into well, their bid. It's funny you, you, you bring that up because <clears throat> I feel like... Forcing tempo, or 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 better yet, forcing others to be off tempo, is key. What I mean by that is, you capitalize on others when they're not liquid, like you just talked about, and you don't want as much competition for a load of containers that you need, or maybe they just bought a lot of infrastructure and they're cash poor. Would this be a good time to take your ship to the island, or should you wait? Right. Maybe you take it, and maybe they're like... You, maybe you want it. Right. Or or you're like, hey, this is a good time to be able to milk some money out of them, and maybe they want a loan, and you can offer that loan. The loan being the expansion... Yeah. The, the player loan being the, the expansion part. Right, right. But there's a lot of timing and pushing people off that timing that in this game. Some of that subtlety that we were talking about yeah. that's just delicious. You know... I'm an auction fanatic, as am I, and so I just I just love the auctions in there. All those things you just said, and just you know, trying to value the loan to myself, value the loan to others. What information is the island telling me? It's and and the ship, you know, it's a it's a really neat auction. I'm re- I'm often not a fan of the closed auction. I'm terrible at blind bidding. I but love, I love it, it in this game. <laughs> but I'm terrible at it. So I don't know if that just means I suck at container or yeah, but I'm I'm I loved hearing Matt at HeavyCon saying, "Oh, I paid too much." <laughs> you know, so which it happens. To be honest with it you, happens. If it's important enough for you, then it's better to overpay yeah. than get beat yeah. by one or two dollars, which is just, just brutal. It sucks. Yeah. It does suck. In fact, in our three-player game, I lost a bid by a buck, and I think that was the difference between us. Yeah, I, th- I think you're right. Yeah. Um, you talked about the economic system, and you're, you're producing, buying, selling, and buying, you know, and selling again, and so... In, in most cube pushers, you know, you're buying stuff from the system. You know, I, like in uh, Mercator, I'll, oh, I get three gunpowder or sure, something like right, that. Right, right. In this year, I, I am I am still producing them from the game system, but I'm what I produce is up to, is up to me. And then, you know, it's for sale to other players, not back to the game. I'm and not I'm not turning this into something else to deliver to over here. I'm selling it to you, and you're dictating price. Yes. And I'm dictating whether or not I'm willing to pay said price. So it's got all these economic aspects. Manufacturing, wholesaling, uh, distribution, and retail sales. All in this friggin' game. I like that. Yeah, oh, absolutely. <laughs> it's no just, doubt. It's very clever and intricately crafted little ecosystem. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, the game gives you freedom to play, interact with your opponents. But it also... Gives you the freedom and power to interact 
and screw it up for yourself. Right. I'm saying, um, and you will pay for it. I mean, you if you incorrectly price, if somebody undercuts you, or maybe you just overvalued your own stuff. People aren't going to buy it. They're just not going to buy from you. Right. And you're either going to have to produce again to be able to then reset the prices on your existing goods or buy other good, more goods right. if you have Something. room or take just waste in action to reprice your stuff because you did such a piss poor job to begin with. Yeah. Your stuff's rotting on the docks. You, That's uh, fantastic. You talked about, you said that word interaction. And um, it's mandatory in this game. And <laughs> yeah. Our, our, our friend John in the uh, guild points out, because he's a huge fan, that you can't do anything without each other in this game. I mean, this isn't the epitome of player interaction. I don't know what it is. Yeah, I mean, uh, probably... John's the, absolutely right. The game that we had said previously is like the king of Euros as far as interaction, <clears throat> arguably, would be Panamax. The pushing of the ships Great and all that. This has more. Boop. I mean, yeah. well, that's all this game is, is yeah, player interaction. Totally, yeah. Because the, the, there is no part of the game that isn't. There's no way I can make this container and get it to the island myself. Right. <laughs> and and some people complain that, you know, it, it, it doesn't seem to feel real. But it the, there are instances in which companies will buy their own goods from other companies that they've sold their goods to previously. So thematically, it can make sense. Yeah, it's, it's kind of like I think I think of it like you know, I'm making raw materials, and when you buy it, you're making some manufactured good. Right. Yeah. Know, exactly. Like and that. then you're buying it back. Right. For, right. So that you know you can then buy it at the island. Wow. Yeah. Yeah. Right. <laughs> so games like Container, there's only one that even remotely comes close, and I don't even really know. I'm just thinking somewhat closed economy when I say that. I don't know that there's another game like Container. I think there's some um, games that have some aspects sure. that are similar. The only one that even comes to mind for me is Noya Heimat. Right, with the um, closed economy. Right, and, and that's really, really it. Do you? Yeah. Can you think of anything? You know, I and, like, I, and that's a good thing that yeah. it's unique. Just oh, yeah, like what yeah. we say about Indonesia, the way the mergers work. I one mean, there's my, nothing like that. One of my favorite aspects of containers pricing the goods. And you can do that in Key Harvest, for example. Okay. You know, that's just a similar... The rest of Key Harvest is nothing like container... But you can, I can set the price of my goods. And in fact, I can even buy them if, it, if they're still there when the turn order comes back around. But, so I think there's games that have just aspects, you know, the closed economy, the price setting, various things like that. I don't know of anything that's like Container, though. And that's a good thing. Yeah, absolutely, it is. We, in, the, uh, in the expansion, uh, Second Shipment, it's got, a, it's got like several things in there. One of the rules that I like in there that you can do as an option, in the base set of Container... You cannot have multiple machines or factories of the same color. And in the expansion, there's an optional oh, rule. Monopolies. Where, right. Where right. I was like, hey, if I really want to produce, I want two white factories, I can do that. Right. Whereas you can't. God help me, I guess, sometimes if I do. So I try if to the mar- three if, player. If the market's flooded, you know, and, you, you know, hey. if you did hey. a, a poor job of either looking around the table and seeing that right. or someone has come right. in and been like, no, I'm not paying $4 for your I, goods. I just think that adds something to the sandbox and removes maybe like an artificial constraint from the players. I was just going to say the word <laughs> artificial constraint. That's nice. well, well, term, I guess. But we did yeah, share a that's awesome. brain. Yeah, right. Um, so there, obviously there are lots of strategies that work. Yeah. Um, I've seen... 
I've yet to see the same thing work multiple times. Like well, in every game is what I'm saying. Exact done exactly. There's the not same like in every one true path, right? Um, you can produce and ship. You can produce and warehouse. You can warehouse and buy containers. Yeah. Um, you can produce and just skip buying containers altogether. It is yeah. a viable option to just be totally <coughs> liquid and Excuse have me. nothing on your island. Yeah, in the HeavyCon game I played with, uh, Larry took one of those tacks where his island, he never bought a ship. All he did was produce and sell. Uh, produce and sail around picking up stuff from other people. And then letting and then you people buy it. He had a stack of cash, no containers. He came in second. It was uh, it was quite a quite a good strategy. And it's something that our group had never seen before. I, right. Which I, is awesome. Yeah. I love that. I think uh, one of the things that might have played into Jim coming in second, or Jim, Larry coming in second in that. Larry, Jim? Uh Larry coming in second in that game was something else I dig from the second shipment, the expansion, and that's the gold containers. Because the game comes with a five. The container says, hey, here's a sixth one, gold. And you can make a gold container at the beginning of your turn from any two different colored containers in one of your stores. You mm-hmm. know, And uh, and it adds a different scoring mechanic in there, a little different dynamism to the end game scoring on your card. And... I, I think that had an effect on, on Larry's game, and 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 for the better, I think. You know, I, I really enjoy playing with the gold because you know the first person to produce gold, boom, they're putting it at the most expensive. Sure, thing, of course, right? right. You know, because so. you know everyone's going to want it, sure. or at least in theory, maybe they don't. Right. But one thing I want to point out to to those listening is, by no means is the second shipment mandatory for this, the the expansion. It adds a couple of cool things, right. and there are some things. Some it's my, <coughs> and so some of the things we haven't tried yet, so we can't speak to them. But by no means is it mandatory. No, you know the gold containers are really, really cool and awesome, and the player loans are great. I mean, you can do without them. The player loans are great. You can do without them. You could make do with some other system, or make your own. You can do. Uh, <laughs> Uh, you can always implement the rule of being able to have this more than one of the same colored factory. You know? Right. We have not played with the economies of scale part of the expansion, right. though. So I heard it's it puts more restrictions and stuff on you. So I'm interested in giving it a whirl. Sure, but I, I'm not sure how I feel about getting back to that artificial restriction well, thing. Yeah. But uh, we'll mess around with yeah. it. But we're getting sidetracked. Yeah. Sorry. Um, so the game rewards players that are able to identify underserved markets and use that to their advantage. Smart pricing and timing of when to make things available is super, super important mm-hmm. and super hard to pull off. Spotting the inefficiencies in the market is easy. Actually capitalizing on it, though, that's that's hard and that's an awesome hard thing. I mean, it's a yeah. good hard, if that makes sense. Yeah, and sometimes it's uh, allowing you to make a few extra bucks on containers and uh, maybe even more than a few extra bucks selling those containers on the island. Totally. Or the island. I I dig the end game scoring. I, you know, I like having the secret end game goals and stuff like that in, in games in general. Yeah. And, uh, and I like it in this one too because I'm giving everybody clues as to what I like on my island the whole game. It's not like it's a total dead secret, and that's and that's. I my, know that I have yes. orange, so you don't, right? Uh, you know, but I just I just dig it the the reveal and the and the counting up of the points and stuff. I mean, it's it's 
it's educated guesses. You sure. you, you have reason to believe right. that okay, these play this player has this right. high value. This player has this, and so as it gets later in the game, as you, <laughs> as you clue into these clue or tune into these clues, you then can load up your ship with these goods that you know other people are going to want and get into a bidding war and possibly get someone to overpay. And all of a sudden, that $20 bid they've just made pays you 40 which is a $60 swing yeah, between man. you and I. Yeah, man. That's crazy and awesome. Yep. Um, so kind of in that same vein, in our last game, I butchered my calculation in what we all knew was going to be the final auction of the game. <laughs> right. Because we, uh, we saw... Well, actually, you had already cleaned out... The, uh, the brown, I the, think. Right. And I had we two factories of brown. Yeah, we knew it was going to be the last auction. So I not only had to factor in um, the value that it had to me and what it would do on my card as far as the value on my island, um, but I totally miscalculated the value it was going to be to Amanda, and I paid the price for doing so, for failing to do so. She smoked me in the auction, and I was like, what? I Oh... Okay, now I see it. Because I was just... I, I, I did, like, level one thinking. I was like, how much is this worth to me? I will bid this. Instead of looking at her and her situation going, oh, it's worth this to me. But if I am willing to pay more than what it's worth to me, may it hurts have a her. Chance. Right, it hurts her more than it helped, right. more than it hurts me by overpaying. Sure. If that makes sense. And it's... Good on the game for Addition punishing... Addition by subtraction. Yeah, good on the game for punishing my dumbass for not thinking it through. So, yay. Right on. Uh, the last thing I have on my list is just that tactile nature of loading your ships and... Oh, it, I, yeah. I, I love the miniatures, man. When, when someone goes into your harbor, you know, you have some guys that just... Toss the containers haphazardly whoa. onto the ship. Well, gently set. But Load you, that. Right. And you're like, whoa, maybe I won't come back to your dock. Be like, what? These union guys? What's up with this? Maybe I'll go over to here. You buy my $5 containers? I will load them with care. <laughs> right. I mean, it's all dumb, extraneous stuff. But yeah, I, I totally get that. And I, I painted my ships. I am painting your ships. So our ships are not. You heard that color it's, and it, stuff. It's now on on tape. You're your, painting them. Yours are all gray right now. I know. Yeah. Still. Um, yeah. But <laughs> no. I think uh, you know. I so I painted mine where the the hull of the ship is the player color, and then the decks are another color. Because Amanda said you actually found actual colors. That is of, right. Right. I googled container ships <laughs> looking for the hull colors of the player colors, and then painted the color scheme. That I found there. And That's awesome. Decals and stuff are printed up. Heavy cardboard decals. And the, stuff the, there. Those were awesome. So, I, I'm a big fan. It's and a lot and of again, fun. go back and look on the geek list for HeavyCon. Got some good got pictures, some pictures of, it. of it there. So the last thing I have is the game's all about tiny decisions yes. that build upon one another. No one decision is life or death. Maybe late game that may change, <laughs> um, but for the most well, part. Um, but if your opponents are consistently making just barely marginal uh, better decisions than you. Maybe they're flipping it for a $1 profit as opposed to you. You're just breaking even when you turn around and do it. Those are going to add up and you're going to be punished. Albeit slowly. A lot like, dare I say, an 18xx game to where, you know, uh, death by a thousand cuts. You might not be losing a lot every turn, but Mm -hmm. maybe you're just losing 
a little bit. Mm. And those little tiny like micro decisions every turn because there's so many turns as you go around the table. And the turns are quick, man. There's almost no downtime yeah, in this yeah. game. Even in a five-player game. Not only are you constantly watching what everyone is doing, but they're just so short. Oh, I'm going to buy a factory. I'm going to produce. Here's a dollar for yeah. the union boss. And produce. Boom. Next player's turn. I mean, it's that quick. And just... If you dock yeah. at my place and load up my one container or two containers... Well, when it comes back to my turn, I'm going to buy some more containers. I have a customer right here. Right. You have to be paying attention to that stuff. Yeah. So just so much good in this game. Yeah, very much. So let's talk about maybe negative aspects of a container. Color choices suck, first and well, foremost. Yeah. I, know we, I know we hit on yeah. it. Um, so the game can be a little fragile. And I don't mean component-wise. I mean, like, the actual game system mm-hmm. can be a bit fragile. And it can be ruined for players when multiple players are buying too many of their own shiploads uh, full of containers. Taking the money out. Right, because That's you're paying game. your economy. Right. Um, or if too many players overbuild their infrastructure too early. Mm-hmm. Um, again, that money's going out and the money's not coming into the game. Makes them take loans, but that's really not quite the same. And uh, it can be a little skewed or or broken by a single player late in the game if a player just grossly overpays for a shipment. Sure. Um, if going prices have been $18, $20 and somebody pays $40 for a shipment, well, they get a $40 subsidy right. from the game. All of a sudden, that's $80 that player just got. Kingmaker. Yeah, so that, that so it's fragile in that respect. But yes. other than that, I don't have much of a... When we teach the game, we lay out these things and just say, look, make sure not to be an idiot. Sure. Don't overextend yourself. Make sure you have some amount of liquidity or ability to get money from loans. Right. Um, because if you, if you can't, then you're, you're screwed. Save loans for when you want to make an impact, not for when you have to have one <laughs> right it, uh, say that again seriously that's really really good say take loans when you want to make an impact and not take a loan because you've run yourself out of cash and you have to take a loan i think i think that's great yeah that's well put i wish there was a way to you know some other economic aspects you know like creating shortages and stuff like that you don't really have lasting long-lived monopolies necessarily you can but you know there's a there's some other aspects that might be interesting in in, a, in the economic sense, but let's uh, be for a container too, I guess. I, so you're saying what's not in the game? Yeah, I'd love, I'd love some more. Uh, <laughs> I love all the economic in- intricacies there. Oh, so. absolutely! Yeah. But I think there's a there's... few more like uh, yeah, <laughs> punitive things would be cool. But so anyway, that's, um, that's my own disease. Yeah, that that's a Tony <laughs> issue, not a, not a yeah. container issue, right? Um, one other thing, and tell me what you think about this, see okay. if you agree, that groupthink can kind of plague groups that don't try new things. Yeah. I mean, yeah, I guess that could be said for any game, if technically. But well, I don't know, because like we said earlier, like in this game, the game is the players. So if you're playing with the same four or five guys, it's going to be like the same game a lot of times, unless people are branching out into new strategies and trying new things. Like what Larry did in that example. But yeah, that was one of the great things about HeavyCon. It was like, I got to play Container. It was a five-player game. Three of those people I had never played. I mean, I never met them before at HeavyCon. Right. And that's great because their group think and my group think ain't be the same. So 
that's the that's that kind of that cross pollination that you want. So yeah, I think it can be very group thinking. You want to branch out into mm-hmm. into new players. And uh, I mentioned I suck at bland bidding, but that's <laughs> that's a me problem. But not I still a game love game. it. Yeah, right? yeah, exactly. <laughs> and um, I can carefully choose the amount that you know I think a load of containers is worth, and consistently be outbid. And if I don't adjust, then that's I'm just I'm bitching that it's a me problem. Just like you know what container doesn't have in it, so we each have one of those. But that's it, yeah. But yeah, not not a not a container issue. Cool. Well, let's do uh, some summaries on this game. Do you want to? Me? No, please. Yeah, go for it. All right. Uh, Container is just one of my very most favorite games in the world. I love its simplicity, yet its wide open sandbox that. That is created by the rules, and it really hits a certain sweet spot for me, and that's that player-driven economic abstraction sandbox. Just turn me loose in there, and I don't care if I'm first or fifth. I'm going to have a blast. What you said. No. um, (laughs) Container is, I mean, it's, it's a true economic sandbox, and if that's your thing, go out and get the game. The end. Pay it. Yeah. Pay the money. Yeah. Or or have a friend that's willing. That's right. Uh, Rating-wise, on our 1 to 6 scale, you go first. Okay, it's a 6. Okay, it's a um, 6. He, here's the thing. Real quick. I, I, I thought about, is it a 5 or is it a 6? And I thought maybe it's a 5 because it can be a little fragile. Um, and you have to make sure mm. that you don't screw up the game. Mm. As, as Do your part, basically. But Peyton Manning. Do your job! But then I got to thinking that if you want a pure, player-driven, economic game that just is going to take games and games and games and games to really get to in a good way. Like, yeah. you can have fun with it the first time you play oh, God, it, yeah. but there's more layers to be uncovered as you go. Mm-hmm. I don't know that you can find a better game out there that does that. Terrific game, man. I mean, this is a Hall of Famer. Yeah, absolutely. Hall of Fame. That's Container. All right, let's have some fun. Uh, we opened up this episode for Ask the Elephant, and a lot of folks asked. So here we go. Skipping, a local buddy. Yep. Ask, what was your gateway game into the hobby, and what was your gateway heavy game? So I'm, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to go three phases of my gaming career. Okay. All right. Phase one, as a, as just a youngster, my grandmother and Monopoly. Well, yeah, sure. I mean, we I, all. I could still say have something. that board, man. She, oh, like that actual. She, oh. I got like a okay. board from the freaking forties. It's awesome. That I have nothing like that. It's I'm jealous. jealous. And, That's cool. and it means a lot to me because my grandmother was te- was playing games with me. That's um, cool. And then Carcassonne was the real entry for okay. me into into uh, this hobby, and. I had been a war gamer, a miniature player, and, and, and uh, board game war gamer. And Puerto Rico instructed me that, whoa, there's this whole other world in board gaming going on here <laughs> you know, that I need to start paying That's attention cool. to. And things started going like this. And then Trajan said, whoa, <laughs> there's... I'm not getting what I'm getting out of miniatures. I'm not getting what I'm getting out of board gaming from miniatures. Okay. I, I need to flip this. And you have sense. Very I, I, major. I, I, I completely. You know, so so it was, it was Monopoly, Carcassonne, Puerto Rico, Trajan that brought me from a youngster to the 
the fool you see before you that's uh, totally into board games. And heavy board games And to heavy boot. board games to boot, that's right. Uh, for me, I didn't go back that far. Because, um, I mean, we all played... I remember playing Risk and Payday and all that stuff as a kid, you know, with my folks. Um, but 2009, we bought Arkham Horror back when we still lived in Vegas. Um, well, I, I didn't know. I, um same thing with me in the car. Correct? Yeah, we we played it. That was fine. But to be honest with you, we, we didn't get into the hobby uh, until about two and a half years ago. Um, we'd moved to Denver five years ago. And halfway through, from then till now, we actually uh, we found the game group. And we were like, hey, we're not really big outdoorsy people at that point. What do we do during the winter that we can do together uh, with me and Amanda? And we were like, hey, you want to play some board games? Like, yeah, what all's out there? And then we found BGG and, well, here you go. Um, but no, uh, the first heavy game that I played, not counting Arkham Horror, really, yeah. um, was Dominant Species. We we played it and were taught it by an absolute douche canoe over it with uh, Chad's group. But luckily it didn't sour me on it. And it's, cool. been, it's been here the last two and a half years. Right on. So, yeah. Uh, Clay R. asks... How would you define a way to compare games based on their weight? I'm looking for a better scale than BGG. Honestly, I have it broken up into either it's a dec- you know it's a light game, a medium, a heavy, or a war game because war games are their own animal. I suppose there are some more delineations than that. You know, maybe there's you know light, medium, or light, heavy, or whatever. But I think that's good enough having those three. It's either light, medium, or, he- or heavy. Yeah. Um, I don't need something to come in. You know, oh, it's a 3.6 versus a 3.8 rating. No. Uh, you know, weight rating. Eh, eh. I'd usually call both those, usually, heavy games. Sure. It's kind of a crappy answer, but it's honest. That said, I also know where Clay's coming from. Because sure. I looked on BGG. Shipyard, 3.5. What? Uh, Brewcrafters, 3.6. What? Lahav. 3.8. Come on, man. I love these games. Yeah. These are good games, but they're not that heavy. No. So I get where he's coming from, but just light, medium, and heavy. And and the way we break them down, I think, kind of spells it out. For me, like rating a game, like our 1 to 6 scale, it's, yeah. a, it's a little bit of just a, um, a, a gimmick, or I, I don't know. It's like a way to express a feeling or something like that. But I don't, I don't obsess about them. I yeah. don't... And especially when it comes to weight numbers, because you know what? Marco Polo is heavy to my wife. It's light to me. It doesn't, I can call it heavy or light. Or, it's our it, opinion of what something It doesn't mean is. anything to the next guy necessarily. Yeah. And so I'm just, they mean different things to different people. I just don't get obsessed with it. Cool. John Patrick M. <laughs> it's a long name. It is. Oh, one word. It says, for me, container typifies games that are defined by groupthink or technically the opposite of groupthink. You're playing your opponents more than the mechanics, which can be a great experience and not one you always get in the heavier games, economic games. Uh, can also lead to games that crash and burn if you're not playing with beginner variants. So two-part question. A, do you guys usually play with the beginner variant? B, which is, hold on, explain what it is. Uh, if John Patrick didn't tell me, I would never oh, know because yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I, we yeah. don't play beginner variants. Uh, it's optionally selling one good ba- back to the bank at the beginning of the round so you can just have some cash. No, yeah. hell no, no, no. Um, 
we expect ourselves to teach games well to players and in general we really only introduce players that we feel are going to have an aptitude or have expressed a desire yeah. to, pl- to play games like this and uh, so we generally don't do beginner games we go straight to Waterframe baby yeah, that, yeah <laughs> pretty much but at the same time it's only people that we think will enjoy those type of games. I mean, I have Lords of Waterdeep. I have Ticket to Ride. I, you know, depending on where they fall, you know what I mean. But let's be honest. For the most part, you and I aren't aren't playing with a lot of people that are at that level. No, and I don't mean level like anything derogatory. I just mean like right. we're used to experienced gamers at this point. Right, and we love it when somebody comes and says, "Oh." I want to play something heavier. Take, Rock on. Come teach on. me. Let's get. Yeah. Uh, and we're, yeah. we're nice. We don't nice. bite no, much. No. Uh, the second part of John Patrick's question is how important do you feel it is for game designers to keep the whole experience on the rails, so to speak? I'm guessing due to your love of this and 18 XX, <laughs> the answer will be not very, but interested to hear about it. And yeah, John Patrick's right for me. I, you know, on the rails is not uh, important. I like the sandbox. It's going to give different character to different games, like we talked about in Container. And um, I just, you know, if I can go out there and make a billion dollars or one dollar, depending on how I play and how the economy shapes up, that's cool. And if we end up tanking the game, well, should have done better. Play that better. happens in the real world too, yeah, right? <laughs> uh, for me, I said no, no hand holding by the designers. Let players make their own mistakes. You yeah. make your bed, let you know, lie in it. That's right. Um, but let's face it, John Patrick knew the answer before he asked. Right on. Uh, David A. asks, at the moment, what's your baseline game for what you would consider heavy? So I, I, I've i said multiple times on the podcast that like the the bridge from medium to heavy for me, the one that I recommend the most is Lahav, mm-hmm. right? And then I went on BGG, and it's, it's weighted at 3.8, yeah. which is just barely behind like High Frontier. Wait, what? Right. No, so the the numbers skewed, but I, I stick to Lahav. Last episode, you had brought up maybe that Puerto Rico kind of kind of gets into that, yeah, um, a little it, bit. It's back to that whole weights are subjective, and so <laughs> I, I I wrote Shipyard and Puerto Rico, you know, games like that, Concordia, maybe you know. I just, mean, those are all medium games to us, right. medium weight games to us, but, but like, to other people, they're going to be. To me, that's where like weight begins to. Blur. Make, make its appearance. Oh, interesting. Right? Like, like, wh- it, <laughs> like, where does a game stop being light? It doesn't have to be crushingly heavy, but where is it beginning to become a serious game? Huh. Right? It might not be Waterframe. Sure. Arc, right? Yeah. Right? But it's, it's like the game that's on that apex of, okay, once I cross this line... I'm playing heavier games now. So you're saying that Shipyard, I think like Puerto Shipyard, Rico, Puerto Rico, you know those those bridging gateway games. I think that's kind of like that's my baseline for weight. Like that's where weight starts. Huh? I don't know if I if I I'm gonna have understood to think David's of, yeah. question right. But I, that's, I don't know, that's but that's I an took. interesting take. So I'm I'm gonna think on that between now and the next episode. Cool. So cool. Brian O, the world famous Brian O, says many, not all, but many of our Ed and I favorite. And featured heavy games contain economic themes, auction stocks, etc. Is that what makes the game heavy for you, or are there other factors? Well, I mean, I know I love economic abstract games. Sure. 
And uh, those are my favorite games. I mean, it's got markets, it's got auctions, stocks. I'm, Unless it's I want to understand about the game then, right? Unless it's what? Eerie Railroad. Eerie, right? Yeah. Yeah. yeah, that one. Yeah. Um, those, are, those are the things that hit my buttons, you know. Mm-hmm. I like heavy economic games more than other heavier games like DS. I think DS is a heavy game. Dominant Species, you're yeah. saying. Right, yeah. I want an economy. I'd rather wreck your company than your species. <laughs> sure. Um, yeah. Hmm. I said that basically, it, 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 I mean, we break down as far as weight every episode on our featured game, mm-hmm. you know, with the complexity, planning, luck, you know, get it, and, and game length. And it just so happens that those economic games have little luck, longer play times, yeah. lots of depth to the decision matrix. That's it. And oodles of planning. And that's, that's what we focus on. It, it's not that they're economic games. It's that economic games tend to scratch all these itches. Yeah. So, but, but I do prefer the economics. And like, I want to be able to work hard to plan and set up my future in the game, you know, and where my decisions are part of the next decisions and so on and so on. And I know this is, this is cheesy, but like peeling an onion, right? There's all these layers and sometimes a little crying. That's what makes game heavy for me. Parfait. Everybody loves parfait. Parfait. Yeah. Onion. Shrek. Never mind. Um, one, one counterpoint to that real quick. Demonker, not an economic game. Heavy game. Love it. One of my all-time favorite games. Yeah. Um, so they're not all economic, and Brian said as much, but... Yeah. Ec- it economic, does hold a special place for me. Yeah. Oh, and me too, but there there is more to heavy gaming than just economics. Mm-hmm. It's just we both happen to really enjoy them. Um, so Todd asks, what games have been your most pleasant surprises? Games that you begrudgingly tried or reluctantly played that turned out to be keepers slash favorites. So this was really hard. I went through all my plays. Nice. All of them. And there really wasn't a whole lot that fit that criteria. There there were two, kind of. St. Petersburg and Age of Steam. Age of Steam, I was nice. excited to play, but I really didn't enjoy Kept playing it, and now I really enjoy it. So that was weird. St. Petersburg, I hate the artwork. On the original, I can't stand that whole Russian art. I I just don't like it. And so I was like, "Eh, it's supposed to be a good game. Yeah, I'll try it. Whatever. And now I'm like, yeah, that's fantastic. Um, Because theme isn't a driving factor for me, that I don't care that it looks dry as a bone. That That doesn't turn me off. Um, it's a lot easier uh, to go the other way for me. Games that I had higher hopes for that were meh at best. Sure. Dude, as I was going through my plays and through my uh, and everything, I was like, ooh, there's one, there's one, there's yeah. one, there's one. So it's a lot easier to go that way. Well, for me, uh, we talked about Brewcrafters. That was a recent pleasant surprise. Yeah. Did, didn't really have high expectation. Just wanted to play and like, ah, this is really cool. That's- yeah. I would like I have a copy. And the theme's fantastic in there. And I was looking, you know, I have have some wine games, you know, stuff like that. I need a beer drinking game. I mean a beer-themed game. Wait, yeah. And uh, so now I've got one. And um, I'm not... I'm not really reluctant to try games. You know, there's games I'm going to definitely stay away from. They're like, you know what? My research on this game says... No, I'll pass. You let me know how it is. Right. And kind of like you tell me Ed if you if I like it. Kind of like kind of uh, like the game you just played three times. Uh, yes, exactly. 
I'll try like almost anything, but um, afterwards I'll definitely be reluctant to play often. So you have nothing on that that came to mind. Uh, pleasant. Well, he asked about pleasant surprises. Well, I guess Brewcraft. Brewcraft. Yeah. Okay. You know, I, I stand like corrected. All right. So I, the other was just that you know. On the other side of the coin, there's lots of things we've played and went, Ike, um, yeah, I'm, I'm I won't play set. those again. <laughs> yeah, I'm all set. So Tom and Michael both kind of asked the same question. They said, for the episode on Container, I'd be interested to hear if there's any news about a reprint now that Valley Games' lawsuit is over. I wonder if they still have the rights. Sadly, there's not much news. Uh, Valley Games, like you said, has settled their court case, the same one that has had uh, the Upfront fiasco, uh, all that, and the reprint that's in limbo that'll probably never happen for Upfront. So it's possible there may be something, um, but no one really knows who owns the rights to the game, whether it's reverted back to the designers or the designer's... um, Estate, since one of them has somebody's got to know. Just that information's not. It's not publicly known. It's not widely disseminated. So I would say I wouldn't expect a reprint before 2017 if there is one. Yeah, that I think that's probably a safe bet. I've uh, I've seen on BGG people like making their own container sets and stuff like that. It's it can be done. I mean, come down to that for some folks. I mean, if you're making it for personal use. Is but, there a problem with that? Mm. I mean, you're not selling it. You're not profiting from it. Where the problem at, right? Just saying. So Nate has uh, two questions. Okay. What were the highlights of HeavyCon 2015, and do we have any funny, amazing, crazy stories to share? You first. Uh, okay, highlights. Yeah. Uh, met some fantastic people that we've never met before, and I really enjoyed eating, drinking, gaming, and enjoying really what's good in life with those guys. Okay. Uh, pre- that, for what it's worth, that's it sounds cheesy. No, it's not um, cheesy. But that, I, I really agree. Same thing with uh, BGG Con for me. I yeah. heard all these people talking about, oh, the gaming's great, but I come back for the people. And I'm like, what? Shut up. Whatever. <laughs> now that I've gone, no, really, I, cool. I do get that. And it's very much the same here. One of my highlights was uh, playing Masters of Venice. If you couldn't tell... Um, it's been something I've been looking at and had been watching some videos on and, and reading and stuff. And when Mo started setting it up, I'm like, whoa, whoa, whoa. You're going to teach me, right? You know, so I w- that was really a highlight for me is getting to play that game. Uh, also getting to play Modern Art. It never, I never get to play it enough. It's not an awesome game or anything like that, but it's a really fun auction, and you can really get into it. And the so artwork's beautiful. I w- that was just really, really fun. And, and Irish Gage was like a good surprise for me. It's like, you know, Paul Chad said, Tony, you got to play this. So I got a, got a chance to do so. And, man, I'm, he has a copy. Thank God. Because <laughs> now we'll get to play it some more. Cool. Any, any other highlights for you? Um, well, I mean, obviously, Demacher, I just... Yeah, that, that, that was awesome. I mean, everything was great about HeavyCon, to be honest. As far as funny story, mm. I got one. So, it came during Faction 5. Right. Uh, the board game group. group that, that game's just a pile so, of laughs. Super quick. You get dealt <laughs> cards. You, you, you're yeah. in teams, right? So, we had three teams of like four or five each, whatever. And you had to, uh, like, maybe you got a card that was, like, a heads of state. Right. Categories. Sure. And then after that, you have to draw, uh, I think it's five, five letters. letters out of the alphabet, and you ha- or out of the bag, and you had to um, 
You have five right. minutes when they start the timer to name one thing in that category yeah. that starts There's with five that categories, five letters, five minutes. There you go. go. Boom. Go. So, so one of the things was a cocktail that started with the letter N. And um, Brian, in the board game group, tried to pass, pass off nipple, comma, buttery as one of the drinks. No, I'm sorry that did not fly. But, dude, we just lost it laughing about that. The other one... Um, I, arguably, I think uh, German Mike may have outdone them on, on yeah, trying this, to. This one was cool. Trying to pass the BS. Like, world leaders was one of them. Yeah, they had all these world all these leaders letters. that yeah. started with the or with well, the letter C, U. Okay, Churchill. You know, D. De Gaulle. Or, or, and there was whatever, S right? for Stalin. Or right, whatever. right. But there was U. Oh, Mike busted out with Uribe. Just say it with confidence. No one will question you. Right. He said. So when we were revealing the answer, ripping up the Google machines, he's like, uh, he did that. But the highlight wasn't that that he busted out with it. It was that old our buddy Matt, who wasn't on our team. He was like, oh yeah, isn't he the leader of Chile? <laughs> and just the fact that or was. that Mi- that Mike just randomly came up with this name started with you sounded good. Um, it didn't fly, but I absolutely just lost <laughs> it, dude. Um, no, so yeah, he, just, he got that. No, 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 it, almost, we didn't give it to him. No, almost. Because like that guy, almost. But uh, but yeah, but just yeah, just an awesome time, and and can't wait for next year. So something comes to my mind that you told me about that's happened. I think as a result of HeavyCon and also with German Mike. Okay, what? I, he he changed his BGG username <laughs> to German Mike, <laughs> not his username, but his his, oh, okay, his yeah. above name right. to German Mike. Which <laughs> God just, bless him, that was that was hilarious. fantastic. Hilarious man. So John R asked um, about ten questions. He asked a lot of questions. Hopefully, we hit on them on the review. Right. It was just it was too much. And same thing with Scott. He asked about what does the expansion add to the game. Yeah, I think we hit on that. So, so Raphael has asked us, have we played Twa, Vanuatu, Planet's Team, and or Bruxels? Brussels. Brussels. 1893. Um, and if so, what's your take on them? And if, if we haven't played them, he suggests that we do. <coughs> so Excuse me. Twa, yep. let's, let's go back and forth. Own it, love it. Uh, own own it, it, haven't played it enough, want to play it yep. more. Okay. <sighs> can be a hard game. That's another game where the character of the game can be different from turn to turn, or game to game with, mm-hmm. the, with the different cards. Vanuatu, own it, like it? Same. Uh, don't own it. Played your copy. Right. Enjoyed it. Um, Interesting be, game. Some can brutality. Be mean. Some yeah, it can be really mean, and that's not necessarily a bad thing. No, we, we like that. Planet Steam, should own it, really like it. Uh, own the second edition, uh, decided to pass on hunting down a first edition copy. Before the podcast came to be, we had this game of the month thing that we started that we would play the same game every week for... A month. Yeah, uh, uh, four or five weeks. And we did that. That was one of them. I really team. enjoyed it. Yeah. But I'll be honest, I, I don't know that I'm really excited to, wanting to get it out again, but not really wait. Neat not, pieces. Not willing to get rid of it yeah. because I feel like it'll yeah. come back around. Clyker's still looking for water. <laughs> uh, Brussels, never played one, two, heard good things. Yeah. Uh, excited. To play it more, you need to play it. We're going to review it. Well, now we can because it's out of print, so we can review it now. Um, but no, it, it good game. Uh, recommended if you can find a copy. 
So Raphael also wants to know if we played the Terra Mystica expansion. He says it adds some great features, variable turn order, auctioning the races, blah, blah, blah. Variable end. I have the expansion, and I want to play it. I love Terra Mystica, but it's kind of been lost in our shuffle of of gameplay. You, Whenever we're talking about, hey, what are we going to review in a couple episodes, you keep bringing up Terra yeah, Mystica. And I'll be honest, for a year, I played it so much that I got burned out on it. And so I've been like, no, I'm, I'm all set. The expansion's got a new board but, in it and everything. But it's getting to the point to where, oh... I could do Terra Good. Mystica some more, so um, I'm starting to get the itch to play it again. Um, and the expansion does sound awesome. Let me so, scratch that yeah, for you, right? So yeah, expect to see it sometime in an upcoming episode when we don't know. Uh, Oscar V asks, "You recently mentioned that Through the Ages was one of your favorite games. Yep. What are your thoughts on Vladoshevatel and his games in general? All right, I'll, um, here we go." Galaxy Trucker. I like the first half of the game. The second half, not so much. Never played it. Uh, Dungeon Lords and Dungeon Pets and Mage Knight. Own two of the three. Want to play all three, but haven't yet. Um, uh, yeah. Uh, Dungeon own... Pets is the only one of those I'm really interested in. Yeah, and Amanda's really wanting to play it, so we'll probably play it in the next couple weeks. Mage Knight, even if I have to play it solo, because I know Tony's not a big fan of that type of game. Um, I'm anxious to try it. And I know that uh, our buddy, Paul Grogan, um, is helping design the uh, or develop one or the other. I apologize. But uh, one of the uh, the new expansion that's coming okay. out. So that's cool. cool. Um, lastly, uh, Space Alert can be set on fire as far as I'm concerned. Oh, simply due to the annoying soundtrack. Supposedly, it's supposed to be a great co-op. But you yeah. lost me at co-op because we don't do co-ops. Right. And that soundtrack, just make it stop. God, please, make it stop. Through the Ages is the only title by... By Vlada, I've played. Um, Granolin is the only, oh, only oh other. Oh God, I can't believe I forgot that. I'm I want in that to one. own that. Yes, yes. yes. Um, well, other than that, I can't believe I forgot that. He's just not in my wheelhouse, you know. Okay, so, nothing wrong with that. Yeah. Um, John R. actually had some non-container <laughs> questions. <laughs> so here we go. Good job, John. Uh, you guys say theme is not that important. In fact, we've said that tonight, even. Right. With that said, are there some themes that you prefer to others? Are there any that repel you at least initially? So, I have two. So let's talk about two categories: preferred and then repelled. Okay. Preferred, not really. You know, it's just not. It's not important to me. You know, there's things I like. I like pirates, but there's not really. Any, there's not really good pirate games. I like space. You know, I mean, like there's some themes that I'm like, oh, right, that'd be cool. You and I couldn't be different. I on hope that, there's a dude. good game. About, space uh, don't care. Pirates don't care. Yeah. All right. I mean, there's there, you know there's a couple themes that you know would really turn me on if there was a good heavy economic uh, sandbox game in there, but uh, there isn't. You know, the economy of a pirate was at the end of a cutlass. So okay. <laughs> um, what about? Are there any preferred themes? You, you, All right. You said not preferred themes. So you've already touched on the repelled. You've already talked about space as repelling. Well, maybe. no, no, not repelling. No, okay. No, no. Okay. I just I they don't get me going. Gotcha. Like, I'm, what I, gets I, you going? If a game has a unique theme. It'll at least get me to take notice of it right, um, and investigate further. Like Rococo. Sure. Okay. I enjoy dark themes, I've realized. Sure. Um, take a game like Colonialism. Yep. Really good game that we enjoy. But let's face what this is about. You represent an unnamed colonial power where you're competing versus other unnamed colonial powers to exterminate native populations so that then, once they're exterminated, then you can rape the land of the resources. 
Historically accurate. Sure. Not to mention the box art has a leg iron and ball and chain, right? So I realized that I dig dark, uncomfortable, unique themes. Hell, Panamax. That's a good game, man. Yeah, but it's a dark theme. Yeah. Panamax. Not many games about shipping goods through the Panama Canal. Yep. Interest me just because it's unique. Other ones. Predaporte. You know, being a fashion designer. Uh, Coleca. It's all about standing in line during yeah. uh, the Cold War yeah. in, in Poland. Polish grocery. Um, Kaigon, mapping the, the, the coast of Japan. These are cool, yeah. unique themes that I'm interested in. What what repels you? Nothing. Dungeons. It just smacks of Ameritrash, man. Really? You yeah. really? Nah, not at all. I have Descent. I have claustrophobia. No, I know, but yeah. I, I that doesn't bother me. All right. So John says, which game's best marry theme and mechanisms? I've got a couple. I have five, six. The Seven. aforementioned colonialism. I feel like I'm a despotic European power <laughs> working all these little machinations Check and that one trying to like fool you over here so I can go over, you know. Um, Shipyard, Ad Astra, Gettysburg, Tobago. I, I like the, I, th- I feel like in Tobago, simple little silly game. I feel like I'm really trying to figure out where the hell the treasure is. Okay. You know, uh, those those things. Uh, I have brew crafters. Cool. Absolutely. Yeah. You yeah. feel like you're producing nice. beer. Uh, colonialism, which you mentioned. Panamax. Kanban. Yeah. While Kanban is not Kanban, though, it doesn't make... But you feel like you are producing cars. So in yeah. that respect, yes. Um, Twilight Struggle. Feel like you're in the Cold War. <laughs> yeah. 1960. The making of the president. Okay. Uh, Nixon versus Kennedy, trying to get elected. Demacher, you feel like you're wishy-washy, you're flip-flopping to try and appeal to what people like. Um, and you mentioned Ground Floor previously. Just saying. Lots of talk about favorite designers going around, John adds. Who would make your Mount Rushmore of game designers? And would it be based on what you like or major hobby contributions you start? Ugg. I'm going with what I like, since Me most too. most are going to do major contributors, guys like Sid Saxon, Richard Garfield, etc. Right. I omitted anybody that only has a game or two that I like. Vital, Nuno and Paulo, mm-hmm. uh, Chad Jensen, stuff. Mm-hmm. So they were not in the running. Let me preface that. So here's my five, or four, sorry, in no particular order. Uwe Rosenberg, because, yeah. Uh, Martin Wallace, as if that was a surprise. Francis Tresham. Mm-hmm. Not only Civ, Advanced Civ, but obviously the 18XXs. Right. And this one, they're sharing a spot because they're a team. Joris and Joran, a splatter. Right on. So that, that would be mine. Cool. This, this was a cool little exercise, by the way, yeah. of going through and figuring this out. Well, there's uh, five heads on my Mount Rushmore. So, Vlada Shabbat. No, there's not, not that. Not that. Uh, and, and it's based on what I what I like and and a, a little bit about the contribution, but in respect to what I've played and liked. Okay. So Rosenberg, and Wallace. Okay. And Feld, and Gertz. Okay. And Kramer. Really? Yes. Wow. Those are my five. Okay. Rock on. Yeah. Two. I di- three. I disagree with, but that's fine. What is your favorite game that's the hardest to get the table and why? Black War Games, without a doubt. Not a specific, but a, a genre. Right. Um, two reasons. Due to time constraints, based because of this podcast. Yeah. Um, without this podcast, you and I would be playing more Black War Games. Um, plus, there are only two players, so you know we have Amanda, Paul Chad, etc., etc. It's hard to get them to the table. 
Whoa. One thing that just popped into my head when I was considering the question was Concordia by, by Matt Gertz. It's, uh, it's an awesome little game, but it's just so many to play. The podcast actually hurts us in that respect because yeah. we got to keep churning through games. Yeah. It's nice to go back and revisit, but it, it's harder. It is hard. So, first world problems. Don't get me wrong. Indeed. <laughs> All right. Let's wrap up episode 25. One more, and we'll have a year of episodes. Which is crazy to me. That's pretty cool. It is. It's pretty cool. Um, I want to remind everybody about our sponsorship here. It's Game Surplus. Fantastic folks. Velma and Amos. www.gamesurplus.com. Check out their site. Uh, every Friday, they update it with new games that come in. They often communicate with us what yeah, they are and yeah, tweet I, them out. Velma and I are in constant communication throughout the week, but on Friday, she lets me know yep. before she puts up the sales, what's going on sales. Uh, on sale. So if you follow us on Twitter, you're going to hear about it first beforehand. How do they follow us on Twitter? So at Heavy Cardboard, email us, contact at heavycardboard.com. The website, Heavy Cardboard, Facebook, Heavy Cardboard, YouTube, Heavy Cardboard Vids. That's pretty much it. So uh, before we get out of here, it's my 40th birthday on Monday. So yep. happy birthday, me. Yep. Um, I can't believe it's been a year that we've been doing this just about. And we're hoping that either for episode 26 or episode 27, we will have a uh, have a cool little surprise for you guys as far as subject matter. So hopefully uh, we can make that happen. Hopefully so. And uh, yeah, we'll leave it at that because uh, that's holding up something for me. So All right. Here's a hint. Interview with somebody that would be on one of our, or if not both of our, uh, Mount Rushmore. That's right. So if that goes out goes well, that'll be the feature of one of the upcoming episodes. So wish us luck, um, and hopefully uh, we'll catch you all in a couple weeks. Right on. Cool. Good Thanks, show, man. man. Same. Cool. Later, guys. Thanks for watching.